On August 31st, something bad is going to happen to you and to millions of people around the world. It will cause your body to shake and your heart to beat faster. Only one force has the power to start it, and no one will be able to stop it. Bad, the explosive new album from Michael Jackson. In store August 31st. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. I'm user one, and I am joined by the lovely, talented, oh so special, oh so special, users two and user 1.5. How y'all ladies doing? Blessed and highly favored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everybody won't say that. But everybody could say it. And that's a word. I'm just going to leave that there. Use 1.5. How you doing? You know, I'm trying to figure out why you didn't say 1.5 and then 2, like in chronological order. But I'm I'm doing well. I'm well. I just want to explain. Right. I'm going to ignore you the rest of the podcast is essentially what's going to happen. That's All right. Well, I'm glad that y'all are here. I am glad that we are back for another fantastic episode of the podcast dedicated to the one and only Michael Jackson, the king of pop, the gloved one, Mr. Sequence, Jerry Curl, and loafers and high water pants, the one and only Michael Jackson, the legacy maker. Are y'all excited about today's episode? I'm really excited. I can't wait to unpack this album because it is one of my favorite albums. So like, listen, let's, let's get into it. Yo, bud is my, anytime an album start off with an anatomical piece of your body in the first 10 words, less than the first 10 words, he's already talking about booty is going to be a bopper ass cheeks. Buns. I'm a nasty man. Y'all remember that from Rump. Rump. <laughs> ah, clean asses only. Clean asses. We're talking Bidet about booties. When he said your butt is mine, he meant a clean asshole. That's he didn't mean any old ass. Shout nasty. out to Prince. You know, the legendary tales of whatever. There's the story of you turning down bad. Well, <laughs> you know, that Wesley Snipes character. Right. That would have been me. <laughs> so what's up? To put it better, the first line of that song is "Your butt is mine." Your butt is mine. Okay. Now I said, who gonna sing that to whom? Cause you sure ain't singing it to me, and I sure ain't singing it to you. So right there we got, you know, right there we got a problem. It's interesting meeting them. Oh Nevertheless. Wow. No rivalry. Prince is like, you are not saying that to me, but I'm excited because we're talking about, we are excited to talk about the album of albums. One of the best albums probably ever recorded sonically. It is a masterpiece. Michael Jackson's third studio album for Epic Records. Bad. And we're excited to talk about it because by the time you hear this, unless you are a Patreon user... It will be on the date of the anniversary of the release of this album, which was August 31st, 1987 here in the United States. So we're really excited to celebrate 35 years 
of bad. This album is so uh, consequential, influential, and giving honor where it's due. We're excited to talk about it. And I was telling user two, this is a fantastic album. It is an album that is almost as old as some users and is actually younger than another. And so we're 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 all up in this 80s mix here. User 1.5, um, you are older than the album. <clears throat> wow. Just when you, wow. Oh. These people didn't need to know that. Oh. It ain't their business. But go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> do I mean what do you remember of the album coming? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, were you in your crib yeah. like I thought you know I didn't approve it I did not approve that at one point I mean but I thought Ooh. you weren't talking to me the rest of the podcast but here we are she came at you fast too. I mean and hard like I'm just minding my <laughs> business Ooh. I didn't have nothing to do with that. I just was you in that baby bad video. Were you in the baby bad video? Stop doing her like that. <laughs> <laughs> Your butt is mad bad. Listeners, I was born ooh, in ooh, 1986, ooh. so it's not like you know. And shout out to everybody who does remember when bad dropped. You, you, y'all are the real VIPs. Yeah, y'all, and y'all got the best of the best. Y'all got to experience Michael in the 80s, and so we're super jealous. Don't, don't. That's just us throwing straight because we jealous because we didn't get none of that. We got, we got uh struggle on every side michael um and we was fans in a tough time y'all got the 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 good the good decade so shout out to all the the 80s fans who got to enjoy michael in his heyday so i'm excited i know you guys are too to get into this but we got a little housekeeping to do so uh let's move right into the new segment all right, so first up on in the news of Michael Jackson, the word of Michael Jackson, uh, we we covered this I think in the last episode, last podcast, but the fake songs, the alleged fake songs on the album Michael were removed. Those songs were Monster, Breaking News, and so the third one. Keep your head up. I never heard the whole album, so so it's funny. I came across my copy today, and I was like this is a hot mess um anyway those fake tracks those those tracks that are alleged to be fake let me be very clear have been not only removed from streaming but we have an update in the litigation and that is that the estate and the plaintiff have agreed to settle this litigation uh and i i don't have the estates and sony's official statement pulled up but essentially they said well we just found it was best and we agreed we just want to move on and we don't want it we just it's distracting and we don't want to talk about it anymore so we're just gonna move on is that is that like that's john <laughs> that's the artist rendering of what <laughs> that's john so what do you guys think about that? What do you think about that statement from the estate of Michael Jackson and Sony regarding litigation that literally has been going on for almost 10 years? Do you think there's some validity to that? And do you also think it's the very lawyerly answer to, oh, F, we might be in some deep doo-doo if this does not go our way? Well, they know that shit was not Michael Jackson. Anybody with two ears can determine that before you finish any of the songs. I think they knew that i think there was no way for them to prove otherwise and i think the very kind generous thoughtful 
and dedicated fan that took on this uh, litigation basically on behalf of the fan community, um, they're obviously racking up attorney fees. So I can only imagine how annoying that is and, and having to battle Sony. I mean, come on, that's a lot of work. So shout out to the fan who has the courage to step up and, and challenge Sony on this. Thank God the streams are removed. Also on some Fahrenheit 451 shit, like I'm glad y'all do have a copy of it so that we can remind people like, yo, they really sold this shit and tried to convince us that that was our fave. Like we hadn't listened to him since he was six years old. So um, those hard copies do still exist, Sony. You gonna pay what the fuck you owe. Sure do. So Vera Sarova, Vera Sarova is the name plaintiff who brought this action um, on behalf. It was a consumer law action, y'all. So they pretty much said, listen, you have you have uh, violated consumer law that protects consumer against false, deceptive, all this sort of advertising because you claim this was Michael Jackson. And actually it's not. And we know uh, that the estate tried to come up with some very uh, interesting arguments as to why um, this was not a problem that even if it's not Michael, we have a first amendment, right. Or uh, we, you know, all they, they came up with some of everything and, Shout out to the plaintiff and the plaintiff's law firm who will definitely be able to put on their website now uh, <laughs> for Sony <laughs> into a settlement regarding allegedly fake Michael Jackson tracks. I don't know, but they stayed with it. Um, it's not a short battle. So in some ways, the estate is right. Like this could potentially continue to go on. And clearly the plaintiff has showed they are not interested in just throwing in the towel easily. So yes, you can continue to rack up fees on your side too, um, or you can move on. But I also think they feared what would be very damning as far as their reputation to have a court say, uh-uh, something's not right here. You know, that that if they're if they already aren't viewed in the most favorable light, this would just be the ultimate kind of smackdown. So I think they wanted to avoid some of that removing those. If they wanted to stop the conversation about these songs, if that were it, you would have done this five years ago. If that were the only reason, I'm not saying it's not a reason, but I definitely don't, don't think it's the reason because you could have done this a long time ago and be done, been done with it, which is what people, which is what she asked for. Take the songs down. So Sony in the state said that the simplest and best way to move beyond the conversation associated with these tracks once and for all was to pull the songs. Um, and so that's that's what you have, folks. If you're interested in this story beyond simply the um, the victory of the songs being removed and the ruling still will be announced at some point. Let me tell you, I encourage you to if you're not following Damian Shields podcast, faking Michael Jackson, fake the faking Michael Jackson podcast at faking MJ podcast. You need to be following it right now because Damian has put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into creating a very comprehensive, in-depth and thoroughly researched analysis of the inception of these songs, the and what has happened from day one, from the time they were released. And he he's he's on to something, y'all. Um, let me tell you, we can't say much. We can say this. Damien is a good friend of ours. He is in a whole nother time zone, but we love him dearly. And he has been uh nice enough uh to allow us to hear a little bit of, of his podcast and how it's gonna you guys are gonna love it. Like if you're not already subscribed, follow 
him on Twitter at Faking MJ Podcast so you can get all the updates as they come out and you can listen in and go, wow, man, that's crazy because it actually is a crazy story. And it is the story of artists, not just Michael Jackson, many artists, what happens when corporate entities and folks who only have dollar signs in mind get a hold of their intellectual property and what happens then. It's not just a Michael Jackson story, actually, y'all. It's actually much bigger. But shout out to Damian Shields, who has put in the work um, and has done his thing. Y'all make sure you support him and support that podcast. And speaking of projects aimed at vindicating and shedding light and truth, on Michael Jackson. Taj Jackson has provided a new update to his uh, documentary project, Rewriting um, History. Rewriting History. Uh, Taj, earlier in uh, August, he comes out with a brand new update, a 90-minute live that he went on to discuss the project, where he is and where he's headed. We did a deep dive into this and kind of our initial reactions. We did watch it. We did it on our Patreon, so we don't want to go too deep into it here, but I want to get the users just uh give me your give me a 45 second take on Taj's documentary where he is now and where he is headed um yeah as you said user one we did a really I mean almost an hour long uh deep dive on Patreon so if you're not subscribed definitely go in subscribe and Mm -hmm. listen but the the most I can say, listen, if you've been listening to this podcast, user 1.5 here, you already know that I think Taj is a scammer. Um, and I've said a lot of things about Taj that a lot of people didn't like. But let me say this. I can only hope that he ends up actually making this documentary, because if he does not, then it's going to be a shit show. I'm sorry. I mean, it really is. Uh, he gave an update. There were no real concrete dates, no real concrete times. He's very ambiguous about a lot of the things. The only date he actually gave was that possibly maybe they're looking into a press release on Michael Jackson's birthday. Other than that, everything was very vague, which sounds, it gives scam every time. So, um, you know, I think touches in over his head. And I think everyone agrees that Taj is in over his head. And at this point, three years later, a lot of people aren't even interested in whatever Taj has to say or what he has to put out. Um, but we'll see if we get 11 parts worth of a docu-series. So. Yeah, most of my views are on Patreon, but Taj, hang it up. And don't release any more YouTube trailers like or whatever those are. Those iMovie trailers you've been throwing together, (laughs) cut it out. I want to say this, and this is my 10 seconds. So if if Taj has actually come out with the... the press release, it will already have happened by the time this comes out to the main audience. So listen, using 1.5, if y'all want her to eat some crow, y'all can go on our Twitter or Instagram and say, ha! This is what I want you to say. And please, just, just I say, I'm crow. I really just do. say, this is what I, I want really you to type. Do. I want you to say, ha, on behalf of Taj Jackson. Please okay? do. And if like she every eats single that crow, she will, and like you know, she will like every comment. And she I will, will like What's going to be your response? What will be your response? I'm going to hit that like button for everyone. Everybody's <laughs> going to get a like. You know why? Because honest to God, I, I really hope. It's like everybody got that one family member that don't live right. And and they always are resetting their lives, trying to get right. Like, oh, this time 
this rehab trip or this this is gonna happen and every time they go you're like you know what I hope you make it this time. That's how I feel about Taj. Every time well, listen, he does something. Well, listen, we, we listen. If if he if he does it, y'all go <laughs> on behalf of Taj Jackson, okay? Please do. And and make sure you add uh Tag you know one point five at Reina Latoya. You can go on the Black Jackson State uh Twitter or, or Instagram. Like let her know, like, hi, you gotta eat a little crow. Yep, and I'm what not too we proud. Will, we will make her a bowl of crow to eat before the next episode. I am, and, she, and I will she gladly eat, eat it. She's gonna have to eat it up I put okay. hot sauce on it so, and eat that shit. I okay. will gladly eat it. So I mean, like, listen, I, and I think we said this in in, in Patreon. So if you really want to hear all the uh, our our hot take, because we recorded that I think a day or two after it released, and we all had a chance to watch it. But you know, here's the reality: we've been very clear that although we have many many doubts, we want him to. Say, I want to be wrong. I don't have a problem being wrong because it's too much pressure in life always trying to be right. So it's okay to be wrong. If I'm wrong, great. But if not, then then something else needs to happen here. So that's what's happening with Tosh. He, he provided an update. And I know a lot of people were really excited to see it on Twitter. So um, if that renewed your strength, in, uh, 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 God bless. You know, God bless. So uh, that's that. And then we have one more piece of MJ News. And we're moving hot and heavy into bad, which I'm really excited about. We got some bad trivia that I'm going to throw at the users and see what they know. Hold on. Uh, let, me, let me wrap that up for you. Mm-hmm. Guess I'll learn my lesson. Stop way it. Too <laughs> so <clears throat> ignore, ignore her. So as you guys remember, do you guys remember that the estate brought a lawsuit against Latoya's ex Bo? Y'all remember that? They oh, said he stole yes. some of my wow, stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. So there's Jeffrey actually been a, was yeah, Jeff. What's his name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gadir, I believe is how you pronounce his Jeff- last name. Y'all know okay. we don't know how to pronounce no names, so but I think it's Jeffrey Gadir. Jeffrey is Latoya's little homie that was on La 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 Life with Latoya, Latoya. Latoya and always Gadir. wears he always wears that kangle backwards kangle. Yeah, he's a and a vest for sure. Yeah, with so, a manicured brow. Yeah, he was the one that Latoya was going <laughs> to marry. Remember, she asked him with the, he asked her with that big ass ring, and she was like Jeffrey, and then he t- he. You see, you didn't watch the series. Ashley knows what I'm talking about. And I then do. He told her, or Ash, or, I'm sorry, Latoya told him that he had to go talk to Joseph. I know that's yep. right. Go talk to the host. <laughs> and, and remember, he went talk to Joseph. Joseph was like, he was I like, didn't care. Joseph was like, well, that'll be fine with me. Like, <laughs> Joseph did not care. Catherine didn't care. So, first of all, that man's name is Jeffrey Phillips. Oh, shoot. Who is Gadir? Oh, I, I don't know who the, you. That's the therapist on Maury. Go ahead, y'all. I'm sorry. I man. know you're fucking lying. <laughs> Sorry, Latoya. Uh, okay, so essentially the estate has accused this man of stealing property of the estate from Michael Jackson in the days following his death. And they have accused him of trying to profit from that stolen property by selling it Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. to others outside party so jeffrey said i'm not going down like that so he actually released uh he he fired back and he said that the allegations are not true i believe him he said that um uh Catherine jackson treated him like a son the jackson siblings treated him like a brother and their kids treated me like their uncle they still speak to me as family when they see me He said, I chipped in and assisted with many family affairs in addition to business and personal matters whenever I could. This included assisting Janet Jackson 
<laughs> with, <laughs> with, bus- with business affairs as well as attending holiday family dinners and other types of family gatherings so he's setting the stage he's going listen i'm okay, I, I am family what you mean no, i wouldn't do something it. like this so, okay so jeffrey says that so then he says uh although he and latoya are no longer together they are still friends um he also says that Catherine jackson asked him and latoya to come to the home this is the Carrollwood property after Michael was rushed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Quote, for several days, we stayed at the Carrollwood house, during which time at least a dozen family members came and went, some of whom took items from the house. Towards, first of all, I know that's true. Because Black mm-hmm. people do that when people die and they ain't got half or nothing in the house but an old raggedy sofa and yeah. a shotgun. You be like, where'd the shotgun go? And somebody where got her it. Purse is at? Where her hat? <laughs> Where her wig? I mean, y'all she will knew, go take some stuff. She knew I love that hat, so I'm y'all will take it. some stuff. So Jeffrey says that Catherine asked him and Latoya to remove mm-hmm. any personal belongings that they could take, given it was a rental property that would be locked up shortly. Mm-hmm. He said they complied with Jackson uh, with Catherine's request and gathered what personal property we could, such as Mr. Jackson's phones. Drop. That's important. Get the phones. Mm-hmm. driver's license and the clothing he wore on the night he passed amongst several other business personal items he said he took the property and weeks later he asked miss katie what he should do with the items and she allegedly told him to keep it he goes on to say i have never sold a single item nor have i publicly displayed them i have never lied about having the items or otherwise concealed the fact that i kept the carewood items in storage The Jackson family members knew I had these items. Okay, so now let's get over to this Mm -hmm. year. He says he was invited to show off the pieces to an auction company. He claimed he believed to be meeting a collector and memorabilia enthusiast. He said he had no intentions of selling. However, at the meeting, he claims after showing the items, one of the men showed him a badge. The man told him that he would be confiscate. Giving Mar-a-Lago. The- it's giving Mar-a-Lago. It's giving Mar-a-Lago now. Giving, giving, <laughs> giving Trump. Confiscating all the items on behalf of the Michael Jackson estate. First of all, you're going to have to get out of here. First of all, a badge. This is my stuff, bruh. So he said he, ob- he said he ob- <laughs> swallow it. He said he uh-huh. objected, but was then escorted out of the building. Mm-hmm. He said this up. entire ordeal has taken a significant mental and emotional toll on me. It has affected oh, my personal life, Lord my business, Jesus. and okay, people's yeah. and people's trust in me. He's not lying. I'm he said, you. had the estate simply asked for the property and not resorted to premeditated setup and bullying tactics, I would have called Latoya to inform her that the estate was requesting <laughs> the items, and the two of us would have called her mother. He said if Catherine had instructed him to return the property, he would have done so. Although the property was given to me and belongs to me, I would not have refused a request for the property from the Jackson family. And the judge has yet to rule on the matter. Okay, users, let uh, I want to let that I want to let you digest that really quickly. But I want to get your hot takes on this uh, action that has been brought by the Michael Jackson estate against Mr. Phillips concerning pajamas. Uh, driver's license, a couple cell phones, cell phones, um, etc. It was really pajamas in there. Yeah, it was the pajamas he had on when he passed. Correct. He's got Michael's death pajamas. Right. <clears throat> oh Lord, uh, Jeff. Listen, I, I, I don't think he's lying. I also find it hard to believe that he was just showing. He just you know, drove his happy behind over to his storage unit with some random person 
that claimed to be a collector and was like, hey, I'll just, for the niceness of it, I'm going to show you what's in my storage unit. Like there had to have been some plan there to auction it or somebody paid him maybe to see it because right, so, so maybe he was paid to see it but, but he never intended to right give it to the, to but sell it. i just i just somebody gonna at you and say so you don't is, believe tosh but you believe jeff with the death pajamas this is messy for no reason when people have time and money on their hands listen you just get into some messy 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 ness uh for no reason I find it hard to believe that Miss Cat. Now, now I do believe Miss Katie said, "Just do whatever you want." She was distraught after Michael passed away. So, if you, he's asking her two months or a month and a month, two months after he passed away, I mean, the man had just been put in the ground because they held the body out for how long? How long did Cece Carter have the body? I mean, <laughs> he was out. It was a while. <laughs> he was out for a while. So they really had just had the funeral, and you asked about what do I do with this stuff. She was like, "Do whatever you want with it." I can believe that, but also. So something in that is like she didn't ask what particularly that you had. Like she didn't say, well, what items do you have? Um, like that was that ever disclosed to her? Because maybe she would have wanted his cell phones, or maybe she would have wanted, you know, his driver's license or whatever other items. I mean, it's enough to fill a storage unit, so it had to be a couple of things. Um and so it just something about that doesn't sit right with me. Like, I feel like I would have been like, well, what exactly do you have? I feel like she would have asked that question before just gifting him whatever, you I know? Think, I think this was mostly Latoya's doing. And Miss um, Katie got thrown into this conversation because their narrative has been pretty consistent since Michael died that Latoya and Jeffrey went there and immediately like took control of the house until the estate got around to thinking about the actual property because let's be honest they were more concerned about this is it than you know michael's belongings or who's in the house and who has access to his stuff um at least that's how it felt so if all those stories were true all along then Latoya and Jeffrey stayed in that house looking for evidence of who tried to kill Michael. They confiscated some things probably along the way. Jeffrey and Latoya have made it clear that they were trying to be Carmen San Diego and figure out who killed Michael. So my assumption would be that they gathered all the things they thought would be evidence in a trial. So his pajamas would be in that number and anything else that was laying around that they thought might have led to an investigation because that's where their minds went immediately latoya thought someone killed her brother i don't think she was wrong um but yeah i think that's how jeffrey ended up with that stuff now i don't know how miss Catherine got thrown into that storyline but i think the siblings all utilized whatever resources they had to try to figure out what happened and latoya and jeffrey really were first on the scene so that's my that's my conspiracy theory and I appreciate Jeffrey for not throwing Latoya under the bus because she's been through enough. And even though she didn't marry you, no, I th- I think he's I think he's pretty. I think most of what he said is probably verifiable through other people's confirmation. Right now, once we get down to why you have folks coming over to look, you're gonna have to bring bring some receipts, buddy, because it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pass the giggle. What test. if it's a scheme <laughs> that Ty set up? Shut comes, up. <laughs> no, seriously. What if the estate? 
So let's say this. Okay, I'm going to go full conspiracy theory. Go ahead. Let's say Latoya and Jeffrey really do have the evidence that proves, you know, they set mm-hmm. Michael up, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and his pajamas would be on that list. Let's be honest. If the estate knows that, and they ultimately know that's another battle they can't win, you know, alongside the fake music with Sony. Maybe they set Jeffrey up because Jeffrey's goofy enough to like take an invite from somebody who told him, you know, we'll take you to Ruth Chris or whatever. And then you can show us your Michael memorabilia, like how OJ set up the motherfuckers who stole his shit. So, you know, I I fully believe the estate could have set him up to get that material back. Well, I think that's true. I think the question, did they set him up to get the material back? Yes, I think that's true. I think the contention comes into what was going on when you met with these individuals, because their claim is that you were attempting to sell it. You're saying that you were not. So who's, you know, who's got the, who's got the receipts to prove one way or the other? What was your intention and your goal with me in meeting with these people who you thought were enthusiasts, but were actually the feds? (laughs) So, you know, that's, you know, that's interesting. Um, I think it's really sad. This stuff happens, period. I think the estate is like the quintessential um, antagonist. And if someone were to make a documentary about just that, you know, it would be crazy. This, this, these, the executors of the estate are wild, led primarily and chiefly by John Branca. And here's the thing. So far, everything the Jackson family has said of substance since Michael died has turned out to be true. And everything the estate has said that is of consequence of substance has turned out to be a lie. Yeah, they're not that great. So you go ahead and add it up. I'll let y'all add it up. I know y'all just be happy if they release a, a, an unreleased track or give you a, a new Cirque de Soleil show. She for- said she didn't have no man. <laughs> But I mean, if we're really counting it up, it sounds like them the niggas lie. You don't gotta like the family, but the the big things they have said have turned out to be factual. Yeah. And uh, and that's that. You can do with that what you will. So do that what you will. Do with that what you will. So that's the news segment. Plenty of Michael news. This man just won't quit, even from eternal rest. So we are moving hot and heavy into. The main topic of discussion, the bad album. And before I kick it to user 1.5 to guide us through this adventure of an exploration of the bad album, the bad time frame, etc., I've got a little bad trivia for the users here. Y'all ready? So if you get these questions right, you can treat yourself to a cookie on your own dime. Okay. So question number one: what is the name of the doctor? who recorded Michael Jackson's heartbeat for Smooth Criminal. I have no... Wait, was it Arnie Klein? Eh. Final answer. Is wrong? That's wrong. Oh, shit. I don't have a guess because what I said earlier today, she won't let me say. Don't repeat it. The name of the doctor is Dr. Eric Shevlin. It is in the notes, <laughs> the liner notes to the <laughs> Dr. Eric Shevlin recorded the famous heartbeat of Michael Jackson for the song Smooth Criminal. So shout out to Dr. Shevlin. Um, He's got a a cocktail party story to tell, period. All right, moving on to the next question. Steve Stevens performed the guitar solo on Dirty Diana. 
What famous artist did he play guitar for for over 30 years? Do y'all know who? Who? Steve Stevens. Who's, who's yeah. the, who is it? Cat Stevens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just not giving y'all no easy questions. There's a little thing I had earlier with easy questions. I was like, oh, no, nah, these are too easy. Um, Got a guess? Use a 1.5? Steve Stevens. And don't be Googling it. Is I I really don't know who that man is. Billy Steve Halen Stevens. No, it's Steve Slash. Stevens. If you keep saying his name, you think it's gonna make us. Remember? Steve Stevens. Yeah. Steve Stevens. Steve. Steve Stevens. You know Steve, Steve Stevens played <laughs> played guitar for Billy Idol. Oh, Mama Leone works hard on that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, so the original photo chosen as the cover of Bad was a picture of Michael Jackson with lace covering his face. Y'all remember that picture? Yep. Okay. This is with this the pic- spider? Yes. Yes. This picture was... Act- it there. Go ahead. Yeah. This, this picture was actually inspired by a photo of a famous actress from the 1920s. What was the name of this actress? Greta Garbo. Good guess, but nope. It was Gloria Swanson. Gloria Swanson. And for those of you who who are like me and like vintage movies, okay, something that you might remember her from is Sunset Boulevard. She was a crazy old lady in the big old house. Oh. And and fun fact, Sunset Boulevard was what A Between Love and Hate was based on. The opening scene. Are you serious? Really? I didn't know that. Huh. It is literally pretty that much the exact same. That makes a lot movie. of sense. So there you go. Has well, nothing to do with Michael, but there we go. That's me. a good little yeah. So my sister actually really is a big early, you know, what is it called, the golden era of Hollywood buff. And so I've that I have seen this movie. She's actually a very good actress. Um, and she was a she was from the talkie era, right? No, she was a silent film star. No, no, no. That's what I meant. She was a silent film era star. And then when the talkies came in, a lot of those silent film stars didn't really make the cut because they had crazy sounding voices. Um, They had or couldn't, you know, actually recite lines. They could act it out, but they couldn't actually like act and speak. Yeah, it was crazy. A lot of people got, got flushed out. So the the silent era movie stars said about the talkie era movie stars, the same thing the stage actors said about actors who acted in like TV and movies that you really couldn't act. Like this wasn't a real form. So it's just funny how that works. But anyway, yeah. (laughs) Gloria Swanson, that picture was based on a a famous picture she took from the 1920s. And the photographer for Bad, does anybody know who took that cover picture for Bad? Oh, wait a minute. Let let me tell you guys a funny story. So Waltner Yetnikoff said, get that shit out of here when they showed him that picture. (laughs) 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 That's my paraphrase. But essentially he was like, hell no. Like, are you for real? And the name no. of the album is bad, and that's what you was yeah. gonna throw. They on were the like, cover? he. They said, "Walter, your lace is mine." <laughs> <laughs> they were like, he was like, no. But do y'all see the trend now? Michael did the same thing with the Invincible cover, right? That was a play on another famous photo, right? So he seems to really kind of play into that. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of fact. Okay, so the photographer for bad, his name is Sam Emerson. He took that cover picture that. 
the Gloria Swanson inspired picture. He also took the picture you ultimately get end up seeing. And what I didn't know was that, but when you look, it makes perfect sense. He's got on some, he's got uh, contacts and color contacts. They were put into contrast. So, um, you know, an, an interesting picture, very, very, very interesting. A lot of commentary was made about that picture and about the unveiling at Sony and the jaw dropping because of what they felt was his transformation, his skin tone, et cetera, et cetera. So very interesting picture, very iconic um, in the history of Mike. Um, also a, a good, did you know on the Michael album, did you know that Oprah Winfrey is thanked in the bad liner notes? Yeah. Ew. Yeah. We don't know why, but help us Jesus. Michael yeah. made a lot of goofy ass mistakes. <laughs> Well, he clearly didn't know she Man. was. A only in hindsight, oh, only in hindsight, yeah. like he didn't know. I feel like that was a Quincy ad. I don't. I just. I did he even know her at this point? Like for real, did anybody know her outside of Chicago at this? Point? Mm. I mean, I guess at this point she had done the color purple. So I think your theory on it being a Quincy ad is right because it appears that the bad thank yous are Michael and Quincy together thanking folks. Which is part of the reason why Michael was like, well, I'm not doing no more albums with this fool because <laughs> he want to take over the thank yous and it's really a 50-50 thing. And he just wanted to be a solo star. And Quincy was not with that shit <laughs> at all. Not to this day. To this day. Quincy has, it's almost like he's very, very jealous of the success that he ultimately has, the renaissance of him as a pop uh figure of music he's almost kind of jealous of michael's eclipsing him in that kind of it's giving off jackson brother vibes but anyway so that's our bad trivia hopefully you guys learned something you did not know if you got all the answers to that right drop drop us a note on instagram or on twitter because you you the goat man if you got all those right and you knew that off the top of your head you didn't need to think about it you you are legit you a fan fan you a fan 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 with that, I'm going to turn the page and turn the mic over to user 1.5. Thank you, user 1. So today, folks, we are going to be talking about the album of 1987, and it is Michael Jackson's third studio album entitled Bad. Following the astronomical success of his hit album, Thriller, Michael Jackson set out to do what was arguably one of the most difficult tasks of his professional career, drop all new material. In 2017, Newsweek said, and I quote, has there ever been a more difficult album to make than Michael Jackson's dad? How the hell do you follow up Thriller? It's like following up the Bible. On August 31st, 1987, Michael Jackson released his seventh studio album, Written and recorded over the course of two years, Bad is the third and final studio album collaboration between Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. Jackson's edgier look and sound with Bad was a notable departure from his signature style. Today, we take a 35-year look back at the multi-platinum selling album, Bad. So users, before I get into some hard, fast facts about Bad, I have a question for you guys. So how does Bad rank for each of you among Michael Jackson's solo albums? Bad has a lot of hits. I think, I think it's a nice album. It's not up there. I think it's like right in the middle. Is, okay. it, be- is, it, is it better than Dangerous? 
No. You think Dangerous is a better album? I do. What about you, user one? Well, um, I would say Bad is a is a good album. It's it's sonically like the sounds in in Bad like. I think about like Liberian girl. He has nothing that sounds like that. Speed Demon, Demon. He has nothing that sounds like that. It's got so many songs that really you go. There is no comparable in his catalog. So I think he he really got weird or you know started to explore. Experimenting, and yeah, yeah. I think that that's like the cool thing about Bad. And also think like his voice is like phenomenal. It's probably one of his to me the last like really good vocal compilation because by the time we get to dangerous i think he was straining in some ways in some songs where he needed to readjust as his voice was you know changing and so i think but i think like he hit every note in bad like there's not one note he didn't hit and so i would rank it it's where it's at like i think it being behind thriller as far as commercial success, to me, it makes sense. So um, for a lot of fans, it is their favorite album. For a lot of fans, it's where they come in as fans, especially when we talk about more crossover fans. Yeah, and Bad is, for me, y'all know Invincible is at the top for me, but um, Bad is a great album because I think, I remember I was dating a guy one time, he was from New York, and he said that when he saw The Way You Make Me Feel, that video, he was like, man, Mike is like that dude, right? I think Bad for a lot of people introduced a different side of Michael, um, something that maybe a way and maybe, maybe they hadn't thought of him before. And so I think just that alone makes it a great album visually. Okay, so I have another question before we get into the hard facts. What did Bad do for Michael that Off the Wall and Thriller did not do for him? I think Bad was a pop, is pop perfection. If you're trying to create like the perfect pop album, which means give everybody a little bit of everything and sequence it right and experiment on a nice crispy sound, I think Michael did all of that with this album and I think the hits kind of speak for themselves because he was truly innovative and was like you know I have the best-selling album of all time that is done and so how do I give people perfection in 45 minutes I mean like what was the max album length at that time like 52 minutes I don't think we could get a whole hour so I think he was really just trying to fit it all on one and I think Bad is that. He was successful at doing that. So you think that Bad is more pop than Off the Wall and Thriller? I do. I think it's the perfect pop album. Okay. All right, user one, what about you? Yeah, no, I think it, I, I agree. I think it is a perfect pop sound. And I know it sounds like we're like really analyzing. Bad really is the album you start to become very analytical about Michael on, I think. I think Thriller is a formula, but there's still so much of like the -the off-the-wall guy in Thriller, but Bad, not so much. It really is a formulaic sort of album of ideas and sounds. And he's 30 now. You know, he's about to be 30. He's not a 22-year-old anymore. He's not like... So it's like a different era. And I think it also represents an evolution 
of his sound and the types of songs he was going to do or the types of songs he was going to stay away from. Um, we talk about if you if you're not in our Patreon, you definitely want to go and sign up to check out um, a an episode we have in there that's a head to head about some songs on Off the Wall where we kind of pit these songs against each other and break them down and decide which one we would like to keep on the album and which one we would throw away. And one one thing we talked about in there was how Off the Wall had more ballads than any album until you get to Invincible. And I think you really start to see Michael really move away from doing those sorts of songs and really doing things that are just more easily consumable, not they don't, you know, or he moves into his, you know, I am an ambassador of the world sort of stage really hard on bad. So it's like, it's the album you're trying to figure out. You're like, I know you were trying to beat Thriller. Gotcha. All right. But what else was happening here? I think he was becoming more of a product inside of bad than a person. And I think off the wall, I felt like a person, like felt like a 21 year old thriller felt like an early 20 year old chasing success, but also still like saying like, this is me. This is like how I, how I get down. Bad really feels like, okay, let me give you what you're looking for and package it in a way that guarantees success versus let me just give you me, even though he wrote most of the songs on this, you know, but a lot of them are abstract songs. They're not really, they're autobiographical in some ways, but a lot of it is abstract, like Speed Demon, you know. Get your ticket right. All right. <laughs> so look. Pull over, boy. All right. So, <laughs> so Bad was one of the most anticipated albums of the time, and it debuted at number one on the Billboard Pop Charts and sold 2.25 million copies in the first week in the United States. It stayed at number one for six consecutive weeks and reached number one in 24 other countries. Uh, user one asked me today, what were those countries? I can't name them all, but I can name a few. Hopefully this give a shout out to some of you guys over there listening to us. So the countries include, of course, the US, UK, Canada, Austria, Finland, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Italy, New Zealand, Spain, Norway, and Sweden. The album, by 1991 was the second best-selling album of all time behind his own album thriller. And in 2021, it was certified 11 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. The thing that stood out to me is the visuals that Michael had for Bad. So Bad was the album that was promoted with the film Moonwalker. And so the music videos Speed Demon, Leave Me Alone, Man in the Mirror, and Smooth Criminal were all included in the film and it became the best-selling home film of all time. So if y'all want to talk about Beyonce and Lemonade and her as a visual artist, Michael was the blueprint for a Beyonce to have an entire visual album with this album Bad. Did you guys know that? Of course you did. I know you did. Absolutely. Yeah. And watched it many, 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 many times. That's such a fair sort of like give a shout out, give credit where it's due to Michael and give credit to where it's due for Beyonce for record. Listen, when you don't reinvent the wheel, you mm-hmm. you latch on to greatness and you try to do your own form of it. Michael did it. He took it from James Brown and Jackie Wilson and some other cats. So Beyonce ain't no dummy. Like, why are you trying to reinvent the wheel? See what? Because there's an essence of these artists that made them great. You don't have to copy them, but capture the essence of what made them great. And she's done that with Michael. But Michael, obviously again took those same sorts of ideas from James Brown and other people so yeah I think visually bad is the one 
Absolutely. Like thriller is like, okay, we get it. There's thriller, there's beat it, there's Billy Jeans. These are actually groundbreaking videos. But bad might got the better music videos than thriller. What y'all think? Man, listen. What my favorite video from bad is bad. Because let me tell you, that boom cat cat in that subway. (laughs) (laughs) So what's up? Give me a quarter. <laughs> now, what in the world you gonna do the quarter? This is oh, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Um, <laughs> what's your what's y'all's favorite video from that? Speed Demon, definitely Speed, speed Demon yeah. with the little speed claymation demon. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love Spike video. the Bunny. Spike, Spike. That's a good one. I'm gonna give it to Smooth Criminal. I think Smooth Criminal is the one. It's just sleek. It just felt like it was made for Michael. Like he was like, I'm in my bag. I'm in my pocket with this one. And so I think that's my favorite from the album. So today, users, we are going to, and we're really going to focus on Michael's singles from Bad, but we also are going to talk about the other tracks on Bad as well. And we're going to talk about the re-release of Bad with the additional tracks from 2001. So the first single that Michael Jackson dropped from the Bad album was I Just Can't Stop loving you and it was released on july 20th 1987 so saida garrett was on the track she does the duet with michael and she was actually a last minute decision by michael and quincy after his first two choices for the duet barbara streisand and whitney houston decided against participating there are also two other versions of this song It's a french version i did not take french so i'm not even going to try to pronounce this there is also a spanish version Todo Mi Amor Eres Tu and Michael did not have an accompanying video for this single even though it was the first single so users let's unpack I just can't stop loving you why didn't Michael have a video for this song well let's back up a little bit you said something really profound and I want to take an opportunity to address it why didn't we call Stephanie Mills to do this duet? Now, I, before you, but wait a minute. That's what I'm saying. Say I'm, I'm throwing it out there now because this is what I want to know. Now, there was nobody checking for Stephanie Mills. Yeah, no she was in the 80s. She was killing it. Yeah, she, she was, was killing She it. was killing it, but he wasn't checking for her. But well, Saida Garrett, Saida Garrett over Stephanie that Mills. Quincy. That was real Quincy-ish. Yeah, like, and I mean, Saida and no one, and right. No, she didn't. Michael wrote the song. Which one are we talking about? We talking about I just, just can't stop, can't loving, stop you. loving you. We ain't talking about man in the mirror. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Um, my thing is this: like, if, if Whitney Houston is still up and coming, which my understanding is that's why they didn't want her on the song. But I don't know if that's that was the Jermaine reality. blocking that shit. And then I don't know about Barbara Streisand at all. I don't know nothing about Barbara Streisand and why she didn't want to be on the song. Probably, probably honestly, they probably rejected her because she was a white lady. And they say you don't need to do this. If we're Barbara didn't want to do it, probably. And Barbara probably Barbara. If I had to guess, Barbara probably didn't want to do it. But I mean, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. Like Stephanie Mills would have been if I'm thinking about like a black, not like an unassuming singer. She's not Michael level famous. So she's not gonna eclipse him. They mm-hmm. also have a relationship and they also have like a big following in the black community. This would have been a perfect time to couple these folks up to do a duet and it probably would have been fire. I'm just saying like no offense to Saida because truly like the songwriting piece of her is phenomenal. And like I think people love her and I just can't stop loving you because that's all you got but I guarantee you if we took another artist that was a singer at the time and let them re-record this you would hear it a little differently from like a, a singer singer she's a songwriter 
you know, and yeah. I don't know. I just felt like I'm just I'm trying to be funny and say like, oh, just throw Stephanie Mills. And I just feel like this actually probably would have made sense. But like Michael didn't care who they put up there. He was just like, whatever, I'm going to sing it. I just assumed she did the demo and they were like, oh, the demo's good enough. I think that's I think that's exactly what happened, because that's what happened in Dangerous for the rap in black or white. That was like right. a joke. Right. You know, so it's like I don't think Michael cared. I think he was like, whatever. So I'm not trying to shade Saeed Garrett because I think she did a phenomenal job. And like the album wouldn't be nothing without Man in the Mirror being on. It's like probably the best track essentially on the album. So I'm not trying to shade her, but I'm just like, why didn't we link him up with star power in the black community as far as singers? Like they really missed the effing boat, especially at a time when he was under heavy attack about his appearance, all this other stuff. They'll just been easy. I don't know. Well, the, the, the other side to that coin is this. How would how would the track have been different if Barbara Streisand, who was his first choice, or Whitney Houston, who was his second choice, had jumped on the track? Oh, that's a good thought right there. I mean, again, I think I think Jermaine had a lot to do with this. I'm not even being shady. Jermaine. I, 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 think, I don't think you're lying. I think he I definitely think he may have had some sort of he may have had some sort of input into this. The rumor I heard was that uh, what was she on? Who? What record? What was the record label? Arista? Whitney Houston. Arista. Arista. Yeah, with, I, um, I heard that they Jermaine. didn't want her to do it. Yeah, I heard they yeah, did not want so her to do it. So that was the story. They felt like she was, I think her album, Whitney, was about to drop. And they didn't, for the same reason that Michael didn't want to do a lot of things, right? Uh, what, the track with Jermaine that we thought could have been a shoe-in for the Grammys, but he ain't win. The one track, Tell Me I'm Not Dreaming. They thought she would be overexposed. And so they didn't want her to do the, to do the song. Uh, but honestly... And, and no shade to Michael. Michael is an incredible entertainer, artist, singer. But can you hear the power of young Whitney Houston's voice on this song? Like, it would overpower him. Right. Like, it would completely overshadow Michael. Michael would have said, I would have had to, con- I have to conserve my voice. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing out. Uh, you can I'm sing not, out. I can't do that. I can't Y'all can do, do whatever it. you want. But no, I'm not seriously. Gonna do that. Seriously. <laughs> No, Whitney would have, Whitney would have, like, you would have, you're talking about a ballad that would have, like, Michael Jackson doesn't have, the Michael Jackson's best ballad, before we get to Invincible, because Butterflies and all that stuff happens, before we get to Invincible, is probably You Are Not Alone. Mm-hmm. If we had added, on, like, are you serious? I'm I love so it. serious. I love if it. we had added, like, a Whitney Houston on this, it would have been, like, hands down, probably the best, you know, the best ballad he's ever done. Period. But would we have been talking about Michael or Whitney? This is saving all my love, Whitney. This is this time, Whitney. We would have got like this ain't Michael, no million said, dollar Michael bill. Was, Michael this was hitting is... all his notes, good, clear. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, we just would have got a different sort of vibe. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And Barbara Streisand, I don't even know what that was about. I, I, he, I guess they were friends or something. I, I can't even. She has a very show tune Broadway ish sort of jazz voice. Um. I, I just can't even. I can't even. No shade of Barbara. I just, and yeah, no and shout out, shout out to "You Are Not Alone," which was released today in 1995, August 15th. Anyway, so 
I saw that on Twitter earlier. No, I mean it's a good it's 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 a great song. I think that just that as the opening, like it had been at this point years since his last release. It's kind of a weird start, but I guess it shows you the appetite for Michael Jackson because it goes number one. There's no visual, there's no nothing. Um, but it still hits number one. It does. It hits number one in multiple countries. Um, number one on the Billboard Hot 100 here in the United States. And I mean, listen, it gave us the range that we were looking for. I mean, after Thriller, you know, Michael was like, I can be soft too (laughs) in three different languages. (laughs) So the second single from the Bad album is the title track, Bad. It is the track that the album starts with. So when you took that record out of the sleeve or you took that tape out of the out of the plastic or that well they have CDs this was the first thing that you heard the from Bad Bad was released September 7th 1987 and Michael stated that the song was influenced by a real life story he read about of a young man who tried to escape poverty by attending a private school but ended up being killed when he returned home Uh, the short film for Bad premiered as a TV special entitled Michael Jackson, The Magic Returns on CBS during primetime on August 31st, 1987. And in Moonwalk, Michael wrote that Bad is a song about the street. It's about a kid from a bad neighborhood who gets to go away to a private school. He comes back to the old neighborhood when he's on a break from school and the kids from the neighborhood start giving him trouble. He sings, I'm bad, you're bad, who's bad, who's the best? He's saying, when you're strong and good, then you're bad. Those are Michael's words. And the song peaked, of course, at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So, bad is my favorite video, my favorite visual from the album, Users. Did he represent the street well in this song? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, he represented nerds well. The nerds from the street? Absolutely. You know, everybody that's from the hood uh, ain't no thug. And I think he proved that. So. <laughs> I want to ask y'all, I want to ask y'all about this because I'm not going to comment on that. Um, So bad is the first visual from the album, right? Correct. So this is the first visual of him in a music video. And this is after what many would you know, say were dramatic changes to his look. How do you think that impacted the reception of this album, the reception of Michael in different segments of the consuming population and fandom? Tremendously. I think people were like, oh shit, Michael Jackson's white. Okay. What does that mean? Okay. Nobody's going to say anything. Okay. We're just going to roll into this song. This is a good song. He's got a leather outfit on. That shit is tight. I think we kind of just went past it. I, so I think that Michael at this time, like if you look at uh, anything from Thriller, right? And then any video on me from Thriller, and then you look at a, a video, the first video from Bad, which is Bad. He clearly looks different, right? The nose is a little different. He got the cleft in his chin now. Um, his hair is a little longer, but I don't think, he was he had strayed so far away from you know what he looked like in thriller that it was alarming i think people were like hmm what did you do like you know you ever see people on tv where you like you got some work done but i don't know what it i don't know what it is but something's different i think that's probably where people 
before I was not, I was alive, but didn't have a clear stream of consciousness at the time to, to be able to focus on Michael Jackson. But I just feel like even for me as a young fan, looking at bad, looking at like thrilling and looking at bad, I was like, Oh, he looks different, but it wasn't too crazy. Right. Like if he had gone from Michael Jackson thriller to what Michael Jackson looked like when invincible was dropped, you know, it, it would have been a shock, complete shock. I just think people at the time were probably, and this is the time too, I want to say in the eighties when people were playing with steroids and skin bleaching and, and, and things like that, they, they were, people were beginning to, to play with those things. So I don't know that he was too far off of what was happening in society at the time, but I mean, it's def- you could definitely see a difference, but he was beautiful. Him and he, you know, he was, girl, oh my God. He was when, beautiful. At the I end, think- oh. This was like the beginning of, so if we take the the skin tone thing, which is what it is, we know he had a disorder. He had something he couldn't control. This is where he, because he's facing so much criticism all the time about every single thing, he starts to go inside himself. And bad is like, you're still like the number one superstar in the world, but you're becoming us like a recluse on a level 10 level. Um, and so now the stories really take on a life of their own, notwithstanding the ones you feed the media, um, about you and your life. And it's starting to eclipse the music because I was reading different magazine articles that came out during this time. And so much of it starts to be versus thriller about the other things, right? This really kind of marks that start, but he's still releasing like this crazy fire number one around the world setting records music but we're starting to get a good healthy mix in between the music of the plastic surgeries his friendships with old hollywood actresses elizabeth taylor and that sort of thing and um why doesn't he have a girlfriend why isn't he this why isn't he that why doesn't he do this so it starts to mix all in there and this is where to me the white noise or the distortion start to come in between really examining michael jackson as an artist primarily and examining him as an i don't even know you know i don't know what the word is examining him as a fun you know colorless like phenomenon yeah essentially that's where um, he transcended it was him and whitney and lionel richie and eddie murphy at this point transcended the color line of course they came from the black charts shout out to billboard for renaming that shit but urban but the goal back then you know uh, uh, ideal american pie you know martin luther king no color barrier they transcended that that was the goal i don't think any of them especially michael who has to add this condition on top of that i don't think any of them were prepared for the dynamics of what it means to transcend your race in america and how that's almost dangerous to do. When oh, it is very, very dangerous. Barack, I mean... It's very dangerous. There's a lot of people who've when done it, and it's dangerous, yeah. Get, yeah, I, I mean, just to close out that thought, when you get to the point where people of all races and religions respect you, um, consider you a dignitary if you're in their community, at that point, America is going to start looking at you funny because it's okay to be a Black superstar, that's cute, but you still black. And for you to go around the globe and kind of transcend that, I think, you know, ultimately that's why 
he wasn't fucking with America. That's why he was going to do this is it in London. That's why Janet is never coming back. I think a lot of black artists kind of prove that point as well. But yeah, Michael got eaten alive by that machine. So user user two, you, you actually segued into something that I think we have to talk about, which is racism as it concerns the release of this album. So I want to read it apart from Spin Magazine and you guys can both give me your feedback on it. But user two, you kind of leaned into this. So the quote from this magazine says, and this is from 1987. So it says, many of the attacks came, and this is the attacks about Michael and his life and everything. Many of the attacks came from white rock critics who suddenly seemed to resent his unparalleled success. Jackson didn't fit the model for rock critic idolatry. Someone like Bruce Springsteen plays the guitar, writes songs that are subject to literary criticism, and dances like a white guy, whereas Michael Jackson represents a Black cultural heritage that white rock critics either don't know about or would rather appreciate nostalgically from someone who's dead. And that explains where he is right now, because Mm -hmm. say what you want, even though this is a pop classic album Liberian Girls controversial which is why by the time he got to the point where it was time to make a video for it he had to freestyle it because then nobody want to see that you want to highlight an African country as a standard as a beauty standard nobody was trying to hear that and Sony can say what they want if you know, that may not have been their direct excuse for not funding it. But why else would Michael Jackson have to call all these celebrities and say, hey, show up for this thing? Why did Michael Jackson have budget for a Liberian girl? Ask yourself that. That's so silly. You know, I, I that article is spot on. Uh, and the truth is that that is still what is happening today. Um, Facts. And I think that in America and you guys from other countries, let us know what you think, what you think about us over here, uh, about America. But in America, what I can say definitively is that there's always this element of American society, mainstream society, white America, saying to Black America, it's okay if you are a little bit successful, but you cannot be more successful than and then put your white man at the top or your white lady at the top of that, right? So think about when um, Michael Jackson became more, uh, you know, his album sold more albums than the Beatles. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was a problem, right? Because Michael doesn't do this and Michael this and Michael's weird and Michael, you know what I mean? Think about when he bought the the Beatles catalog and 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 that's been a big thing on on Michael Twitter today. But think about when he bought the Beatles catalog. It was a big deal. Oh, Paul McCartney should have bought it because that Paul McCartney didn't want it. Had he wanted it, he would have purchased it. I'm gonna take it a step further for y'all. Y'all ready? Because somebody not gonna like this shit. But I'm gonna say it, and you can at me. But when you at me, you better come correct. Because now, as I told you to say. <laughs> earlier i will get your ass i will eat your ass alive if you at me on this tulsa oklahoma amen is the exact example of what we're talking about it's the reason why in black wall street in in durham they the 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 founders of that said we wanted to build our buildings but we knew not to build them higher and taller than the white buildings in town Mm -hmm. because if they saw that we that represented success and they would 
come after us. The same thing happened in Tulsa. These Black people represented success over and above white people. And most lynchings in America were economically driven. White people in America have this thing historically and, and presently still in some ways. Not all. So let me not, I'm not blanketing anything, but seeing a Black person succeed stirs up in some white people a such intense jealousy and anger. It's violent. They will tear you apart. And that is what happened to Michael Jackson and you in know so what? many ways. And I'm not saying he wasn't self-destructive, but. Right. Now, what do you do when you can't say, well, you're not successful? I mean, he has the biggest selling album of all time in Thriller. So now what do you do? You attack him as a person. You attack his character. You attack his family. You attack the, 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 the things that should be off limits that's what you go to attack, right? Like, oh, he's weird. He had surgery. He wants to be white. Look at him. Look at him. He wants to be white, you know? And unfortunately, he endured that scrutiny for the rest of his life. These are the facts, y'all. We ain't talking on the side of our neck. You don't got to like it, but the truth is the truth. So, I mean, whatever. this is the Black Jackson State Podcast. So again, if you don't like it, you can turn it off. You can turn it off right now. You can stop this and go Fix you a cheese sandwich, okay? We're going to (laughs) say what we got to say every single time. You can go have yourself a cheese and ham ham and cheese, okay? But we're going to say what we got to say. And nothing, nothing, no lies have been told. Amen. And as James Baldwin said, the story of the Negro in America is the story of America. It really is. And listen, y'all not going to stare us down on it. Go read. Go learn. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know nothing about that, go learn. Amen, amen, amen. All right. If all minds and hearts are clear, we're going to move on. Yes. We're going to move on. To this day. <laughs> we're going to move on to the next single from Bad, yeah. which is the no- Billboard Hot 100 number one single, The Way You Make Me Feel. It was released on November 9th, 1987, and it picked at number one, like I just said. According to Bad 25, the song and its subsequent video was intended to show another aspect of Michael's perception, or I'm sorry, aspect to the public's perception of Michael Jackson. It was directed by Joe Pitka. Is that how we say Joe's last name? We don't know, Joe. Girl, we stay tearing up people naming you. Ask us how to say Joe. I don't know. We don't know. And was filmed in June of 1987 at Skid Row in Los Angeles. If you guys don't know what Skid, Skid Row, Skid Row. Is, <laughs> Michael loved not- being in the slums, y'all. <laughs> and why? That was so dangerous. He loved it. He loved it. He around it. on Skid Row, man. <laughs> Everybody who doesn't know what Skid Row is. He was is in Harlem the- for bad. He was in Harlem for bad. He was like, honestly, Harlem and Skid Row are completely different because You're Harlem right. is a. A town that's majority black and brown. And are there seedy areas? Sure, there's seedy areas. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they but, are in Harlem, yeah. <laughs> but Skid Row is literally the worst road in America yeah. as far as safety is concerned. That is where the homeless But was Michael Jackson ever in danger? No, he Angel. wasn't. He was, never he was out there probably moving and wipe, cleaning the pee up off the, the sidewalk for him. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know what Skid Row is, Skid Row is the notoriously high in homeless, high in crime area of Los Angeles in which most Los Angelians, is that what they call? I don't know. They don't go down there. Though. 
Los Anglos. Um, that's where the Cecil Hotel was, where that poor little little French Canadian Asian girl went missing. And listen, there's nice housing on Skid Row. Like, don't get me wrong. We stayed. I had an Airbnb with my bestie that was dangerously close to Skid Row. But I mean, you got to know which area you're on. <laughs> it's not really the best place to film a music video unless you're Michael Jackson. Unless you're Michael Jackson. So the way you make me feel is uh, the short version of the video was six minutes and 47, uh, 44, excuse me, seconds long. The full version was a full nine minutes and 33 seconds long. And this was the video that Latoya was in and our favorite Tatiana Thompson was in it. This choreo, I think, is probably one of the most iconic choreo moments for Michael Jackson because he does that kind of humpy thing on the ground that we were like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> what's happening here? What do you guys think about the way you make me feel? I love the, I, the, the sound of the way you make me feel is very like, it doesn't matter when you put it on, you're going to move to it. Like it's, it's perfect. Yeah. I love the, the sound effects in the music video too. Like the sound of them dancing in their feet, sliding across the wet pavement, all that cinematography um that went behind the the short film but i like this song it's a great song i still think it's where latoya was in the music video even though she was the girlfriend's friend i just keep latoya out of the family music videos that's just my thought it was just a little weird but so what did he want her latoya he wanted latoya to be the main chick he did just like she was in um uh the paul mccartney joint say 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 that's incestuous. Yeah, it's gross. I can't. Yeah, it's not okay. No. Yeah, they told. They yeah, told because it, no. how weird would that have even been? Like, shout out to Tatiana, who so, was absolutely gorgeous in this. So, right. go ahead, Ashley. I was gonna say, I think I have a bit of a theory here on why he did that. So, Latoya was one of the it girls, right? Like, she she was like one of the Lori Harveys of her day. So. I can imagine Michael saying, well, you know, if you need a video girl, I'll just put my sister in there so she can get on. I can get on. It's cool. But your sister shouldn't be your love interest. The way you make me feel, you really turn me on. You knock me off my feet. It's really good. I'm glad that got canceled. But why did he ever think this was okay? Like, this is where I really say Michael has entered mm. the zone. He has entered the twilight it's zone. The yeah, same he way. started doing wild This shit. is Michael, where stuff gets really wild. That's where, like, is already in on. the building. Shit just spirals. <laughs> it's know? the same way Michael called her and said, I saw your spread in Playboy and I liked it. That part. He said he so, thought it was fine. There's that part. Stop it. Joseph's so. kids, man, they had a lot of it's age. just weird. But okay, let's talk about Tatiana. Do y'all think she was she was I think she might have been perfectly cast here. I think so too. I mean it's she looked like him. Time. <laughs> and, she know, looked very 80s. She looked like, like yeah, so very that she had the long <laughs> curly weave. She had the I mean Sis she got legs look. for days. I'm watching the video right now. Sis right. got legs. She did. I always she was um skinnier than him, which was hard to do, honey. <laughs> I swear to God. Where? Where? Okay, My she's smaller. Strong than 120. And let's talk about how Tatiana was cast as the girl for the way you make me feel in the first leg of the bad tour. 
before she so, got fired. Do y'all oh, oh. do y'all think that do y'all think as she claims that um Miss Katie wanted them to actually really date and she was like I'm sure I did. hope you ever had a, a mom try to pass on a toxic child? <laughs> I'm just so happy y'all talking. He's just a good man. Well, they look good. Talking. I think Together. you'll be good for here's the killer line that you need to run away. I think you'll be good for him. You stay here for Run-sis. dinner, honey. Yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> but I mean, listen, they had a little something going on because she gave him that little kiss on stage. That's what got her ass fired. It sure so, did. So obviously you know, that was a bad idea. Something was happening behind the scenes with her. So she assaulted sure him. She assaulted him on stage. Wow. Carry on. Come on, talk to me. Talk wow. to me. Well, you know, listen, Tatiana, if you want to come on the show and give your side, come baby, on the show, Tatiana. We are open. We Girl, are it'll be a slight drag. We still might drag you a little, but it'll be respectful. Oh, absolutely. It'll yeah, be I respectful. But I can't cap for nobody. Baby. Nah, I'm gonna this is gonna be a slight drag. Because didn't Prince say no baby? <laughs> didn't prince say something about her because she had ran, ran out and talked to the tabloids mm-hmm. about her situation with michael mm-hmm. and prince was like no baby yeah, he was prince stayed in something too anyway <laughs> shout out to tatiana <laughs> tatiana uh, the perfect video girl the perfect on video the girl. show honey you, this is your girl. opportunity to let us all know what really happened it's a so, great song period it's like he wrote that song because he said his mom wanted him to write something that had like that sort of feel I think that's a very sweet story. It's a good song. Yeah. And it's the, I love, and this is it, the bum, 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 like really slowing it down. And and Michael telling uh, Michael, uh, what was his name? Michael, what's his name? Bearden. Michael Bearden. Like, I want it, I want it like, like I wrote it. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's one of those songs when it comes on, it's, it's, that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. So shout out to Michael Beard. You can come on the show too, honey. We got some questions for you. Um, all right. So that was the third single from Bad. The fourth single from Bad is the very 100% iconic. You performed this on the 1988 Grammys, Man in the Mirror. It topped number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. It was released on February 6, 1988, and it was Michael Jackson's 10th number one single on the charts certified three times platinum by the riaa as i mentioned earlier it he performed it on the grammys it was also nominated for record of the year for the grammys written and composed by saida garrett and glenn ballard and it features saida the winans and the andre crouch choir honey he had jesus on his side and he was running for his life with this song this is probably i think one of michael's favorite songs you say uh, Jesus, I say the Kojic Church because. <laughs> well, that's Jesus. I mean, you what? ain't what lying. What you want? Church of God in Christ is one of the largest denominations of Christians in America and globally, but they're predominantly black and they've given us some of the best gospel singers on earth from the Clark sisters true? to the Winans mm-hmm. um, and uh, Vicky Winans and so on and so forth. And so. For Michael to go and find Andre Crouch, one of the kings of gospel, and say, hey, can you get the wine-ins in here as well? First of all, what? Like, how do you... By the what? way, I also need extra people. The wine-ins. The wine-ins, <laughs> for those who don't know, and you should, if you don't listen to black gospel music, you don't understand us. 
Let me just be clear. It's but BB and CC. That's if y'all know who they are, then you and work your way backwards. And BB and CC constantly sang with Whitney Houston. So there's no excuse for you not to know who they are. But the Winans, in a lot of ways, are like the Jacksons of male quintet groups. Amen. So, I mean, everybody followed the Jackson template, even in gospel music. The Clark sisters, the Winans, um, a, a lot of those like family groups. So for him to get Andre and Sandra and the Winans on this, I mean, just iconic. Yeah, Michael's Michael stayed taking us to church, whether you wanted to go or not. Okay. The only he thing stayed. he was the only thing he was missing is if well, he, he had called go. if he right. If he had called, uh, if he had called Shirley Caesar. Oh, oh remember he did. Remember did he, he did. Yeah, I don't know if it was for Man in the Mirror, but he did call Shirley Caesar. He wanted her on one of these songs. I thought. As much as she loved money, I can't believe she didn't right. hop, skip, uh, catch the first plane. The queen of gospel is, is what she is uh, with the Caesar singers and Shirley. Well, let me take and that back. I'm Patty. sorry, Pastor Caesar. Let's not mean. do her church I'm, like I'm that. Sorry. We're just being North Carolina. Her church is We're right just... here in Durham, y'all. <laughs> And Miss Shirley's church man. does have several ATMs. It is very well known for that. But does that change the fact that she is one of the most prolific gospel singers Ooh. on earth? Absolutely not. Strong man. Yes. You better leave, leave here, strong here. man. Because you're wasting. You're wasting your time. Your time. time. Yes. Okay, so she did not make the final cut, but she was solicited. Is that what you're saying? I can't remember if it was actually for bad, but at some point, Michael Jackson did solicit Shirley, Shirley Caesar. Caesar. That would have been crazy. Yeah, I'll I'll go dig it up and we'll share it on Patreon. So you need that would have been so get crazy if he had had Shirley. We need her to come tell the story. She did. She told um, it. She told it to somebody. It is on YouTube. Okay. 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 She, so you Michael can find it. Y'all can find and it. She was booked. So no, nah, she needed to get clear because when I tried to, she, she wouldn't have had to ask for one more hundred dollar line in her life. <laughs> A thousand dollar line. She don't. She, she wouldn't have had thousand. to do yeah, nothing. She would have just up. said, "You know, I was on bad or whatever." So it's like I'm all good. Well, that's what the wine has been doing since. <laughs> Period. And I didn't the with the winings also. I know the Andre Crouch singers and Andre Crouch was uh Miss and Miss Sandra were at the Grammys, but were the winings back there too? I can't remember now. Trying to visualize the stage. Well, at this point, the winings would have been at the Grammys anyway because they're nominated in 1988. Mm-hmm. 87 and 88 they're definitely there the clark sisters are there yeah yeah no michael this, this did janet ever work with any gospel singles on, on her um her projects um, i believe that's a yes now i cannot name them without doing the research so jam fam drop it in the comments this song is the song that encourages you to search your soul this was the first international michael jackson song yeah and i realized mean, he was he was making songs for the world this was right. bigger than gary and skid row <laughs> Can you imagine if you take if you, if you take this song and do it for like Katrina relief? Like if you had put images of Katrina and what was happening it still behind fits. this song, huh? It still fits. It still it fits. fits. It fits right. So like that would have been things, you. Honestly. I mean, people need to. I really now. Here's what y'all want to talk about Beyonce. I would love for Beyonce to want to do and for the estate to allow her to do a cover. I don't know if it's this one. But I think it needs to be a meaningful one. I think this is how we give her that. Like, I think she needs that. Like, give her Heal the World or Earth Song or Man in the Mirror. No, we need to give Deborah Cox Heal the World. Deborah, I mean, listen, yeah. I mean, but I'm saying, like, if we give Beyonce 
something meaningful from Michael's catalog. I just think she I think she could if you're talking about an artist that can have that reach to then impact, you know, the world and, you know, philanthropy, give her one of these. What y'all think? Or do you think she would even be interested in it? I I don't I don't I can't speak for Beyonce. I don't know um, if she would be interested in doing it or not. I do know that Michael was a big, a huge, huge influence on her life and career. Um, but I, I also think that a lot of Michael Jackson, I think she probably sh- would shy away from it because some of y'all in the Michael Jackson fan community are crazy. And, you know, God bless you and we love you, but they would be on top of her so bad. Like it would be worse than this Khalees situation. Like, I don't, I don't know that she even wants to step into that realm of scrutiny because, you know, whatever she does, people are going to compare everything, every note to Michael Jackson, right? But if she can, if she can, if she can handle her crazy fans, she can handle Michael. She don't handle them. She ignores them. Exactly. So ignore these motherfuckers. Likewise. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't. I would definitely ignore all the fans. Yeah, ignore them. Her fans are some of them are are absolutely out of their mind, and the same thing exists in the Michael fandom. I I can't believe more people don't see this parallel. Like, she has some fans that you're like, wow, you're insane, and there is a segment of the Michael community that you go, wow, you're insane. It's the same thing. She can handle it. Yeah. She could. And you know what? Beyonce, listen, if you're listening to our humble little podcast, you want to come on the show, we'll talk to you too, sis. All right. The next single from the Michael Jackson's Bad album was Dirty Diana. So Dirty Diana was released April 18, 1988, and as user one said earlier in trivia, the guitar solo was played by Steve Stevens, and the music video for Dirty Diana was filmed in front of a live audience. Initial reports at the time suggested that the song was a poke at his close friend Diana Ross. However, it was later denied, and in fact, Diana Ross, Ms. Ross the Ball, started using the song as an overture at her concerts shortly before she appeared on stage. So, we're back around to Ms. Ross the Boss. <laughs> Did y'all think that this song was about Diana Ross? Really? Never, not but- once. I, well, I I thought it was about her. I just don't think it's just, it's not, it's not just alliteration. How? Okay. So, so let's talk about Michael's use of the name Diana. Okay. She, he uses Diana dirty for Dirty Patricia. <laughs> Could have went a lot of different angles. Petty Patricia. Petty Patricia. Petty, you still need that alliteration in there. The Petty Patricia. That's what you need. Petty Patricia. <laughs> I don't think it means nothing. Who is Susie? Huh? Who is Susie? Well, I think Diana was like, please stop saying it. <laughs> I, I think up. she was like, please stop saying my name. Think I really didn't hear in... you. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about little Susie. Think mm. about in... Um, think about... I'm not talking about little Susie. I'm talking about Susie and blood on the dance floor. 
Oh, because Susie got your number. Uh, Susie ain't your friend. He pops up in a couple joints. Mm. I mean, listen, he he stayed with a name drop. So who knows? this was the first name that he meant because it was tied to somebody he knew. The rest of them are Susie is such a, a you know a symbolic name yeah diana is quite like yeah like i don't believe in too many coincidences that's all well you remember in the who is it video one of those business cards that the girl had it said diana on it y'all remember that no (laughs) i don't know diana ross (laughs) diana ross you know i don't know there's something there I don't Listen, know. Y'all want to go ahead and subscribe to Patreon because when we drop this just new friends, Diana and Michael, y'all going to wish to God. Y'all are going to wish to God. Now, hey, let me ask y'all this because I don't know the answer. He did affirmatively say in his lifetime, this was not about Princess Diana. And he has a whole story around that. Did he ever bring out a story about this is not about Diana Ross? Two hours later. You hear them crickets? Because I would like to rest my case. Go ahead. He said she was dirty. Is this about the time that she got married? To to the um... I'm not gonna let you roll over that lady's little <laughs> legs again. I don't tell Yo, subscribe every to the chance you get. Every chance down. you get, you roll over that wait. lady's little I legs. Not no. Wait, I was just trying to because remember the time that she got married, she Michael was invited to the wedding, but then he decided not to go last minute, and then the next thing you know, he shows up at some award show with Elizabeth Taylor, who he hadn't been hanging out with. He'd been hanging out with Diana User Two. So, is this one of your favorite songs on the album? (laughs) User Two, subscribe to the Patreon, (laughs) y'all. User Two loves Miss Ross the boss, so we're not talking badly about her. We're just trying to piece piece some things together here. Uh, I do believe that uh, Evan Ross was born shortly after this album came out. Here we go with this shit with y'all. That's all that I have to say. I don't know much else other than that. Continue ahead. Subscribe to the Patreon. All right. Well, Dirty Diana, we all know the famous story about Michael performing this at Wembley Stadium. And the royal family was going to be there, namely Princess Diana. And he took the song out of the set. And prior to being uh, on stage, when he greeted, was greeted by the royal family, Diana told him that, you know, she really wanted him to, she was like, are you going to do Dirty Diana? That's my favorite song. He was like, no, I took it out to be respectful. And she was like, nah, bruh, that's my jam. Put that shit back in there. So Look, I think that's, I always love that story. It's a, such a cute story and it really, really shows a lot about Michael, but it also shows a lot about Diana. <laughs> so anyway, Dirty Diana, which used to be my mother's ringtone because her name is Diane. It's, it's, a, it's a hard rock song. It doesn't go as hard as some of Michael's other kind of rock songs, but it, it, it's pretty, it, it, that guitar solo, Steve Stevens, you did it, huh? You did it. All right, so the next single from Bad is the one and only, and I believe User One's one of her favorite songs, Another Part of Me. Another Part of Me was released on July 11th, 1988, and it was originally featured in Michael's 1986 uh, 3D film, Captain EO. Quincy Jones stated that Michael wanted to include Streetwalker instead of Another Part of Me. Um, 
Quincy says, Michael likes Streetwalker and I wanted him to do another part of me. So this is definitely a Quincy bop. Um, he wrote both of them, so it really didn't make any difference to him. We were going to listen to them, the three of us, objectively, and decide which was going to get picked. And so Frank DeLeo was sitting down when Streetwalker came on. And then when another part of me came on, he jumped, he got up. <laughs> Quincy says, and I quote, he got his fat ass up, you know, and started dancing. And I said, well, you're not helping Michael at all. And he says it was really funny that Michael um, had a funny name for him, like Rubber. He was like, what are you doing, man? So anyway, that's how another part of me got, you know, included on the album. Users, was that the choice? Was that the it? Another part of me over Streetwalker. Yes. That was that was it. You know why? Because Anita Baker covered it. And if Anita Baker did she? felt the need, yes, she did. I did she not. Somebody know drop that. it in the show notes. If Anita Baker felt the need to cover your song, dude, I didn't know that. I will know. say it's one of my favorite Michael songs. I love the demo. I love the official mm-hmm. version. Michael said in Moonwalk that the song never really came out the way that he wanted it to. Um, it's also in Captain EO. Um, and he obviously was infatuated with trying to get the song right. And he said it just never came out the way that he wanted it to. But I love every version of this song. I think it's an excellent composition. I think it's a great experiment of a song. Um, and I'm glad it's on the album. Streetwalker is cool. It's just not another part of me. It's such a good, like, superhero song. I love uh, Streetwalker. I really do. And I can, like, kill it in the Michael Jackson experience game. Like, that's my song that I can, like, like I know all the moves. But another part of me is is the video was great. Um, it was a live performance of him um, singing, performing the song on the Bad Tour. Um, and it's just a feel-good song. I mean, it really is a feel-good song. I think Michael's kind of getting back to that um, from his off-the-wall days with another part of me. All right. So the next song that was released as a single from the Bad Album is Smooth Criminal, which was released November 14th, 1988. The lyrics of Smooth Criminal address a woman who has been attacked in her apartment by a smooth criminal uh and the refrain annie are you okay was inspired by the uh resuscitation cpr dummy named annie uh in the 1930s uh setting that michael used with the white suit in the fedora pay tribute to fred astaire's musical comedy the bandwagon if you have not seen the bandwagon which i have it is almost identical frame for frame with smooth criminal i mean michael was not trying to hide it he was not trying to reinvent the wheel as user one said it is almost the exact same frame for frame um um movie do y'all remember that dr phil when that lady said that michael had uh wrote smooth criminal about her her name was annie my name is annie and i did fall on the floor yeah (laughs) i wonder where she is i would like for her to be on the show hopefully she's on her medicine right for real (laughs) She said Michael was peeping in her window, y'all. And he saw her get beat. She said she saw a limo outside. And it happened. She said she got knocked down to the ground and then she looked out the window. And around that time, she saw a black limo and it had to have been Michael. Who else would it have been? Had to have been. Yeah. Had to. I'm with her. All right. So, Smooth Criminal. This is probably one of the most iconic scenes, um, one of the most iconic videos because of the lean scene with the those special shoes that michael had built for him to be on stage 
how did he, y'all have we figured out how we got that leave like what did it is it a camera it was trip? it was he it was patented use. yeah it remember, was patented but remember at the time people were trying to figure out how they were like oh it's a camera trick yeah. oh it's this and michael was like uh-uh. it was actually the shoes yeah, yeah. but can you think about the 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 core strength you need yeah to lean that far with your shoes yeah i'm yeah. not able Mm-mm. I mean, I think the hook concept is really cool and it does allow you to lean. But the fact that it's really your calves holding you to the floor. <laughs> if somebody put y'all in them shoes, what would happen? Is it lean? If somebody put me in them shoes, I would have a nose job the next day. <laughs> <laughs> because my face is going to flatten to the floor. Like I, I don't have enough trust of <laughs> the shoes. And I think that's the thing. Like Michael in adding that to his show and committing to it for like 20 years, you have to be really comfortable with the invention and the way that they step into them almost seamlessly, like some David Copperfield shit and then unhook their shoe. Like it's a dance step. You know, if you, if you're looking, you'll see it. But um, yeah, I, I um, would never ever put that shoe on. Not a chance in hell. So you don't trust your body weight or your titty weight <laughs> to bring you Why back. Why did you just bring my titties into this? <laughs> no, bring but that's true up. though. I didn't even think about that. Like, oh, I did. I was like, oh, these girls are not. Yeah, in no, favor I didn't even that. think about that. Michael's a flat-chested man, so he's not. He has no. You flat-chested food. winch. Yeah, he had it. He 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 could get it going. Yeah, nah. You got to trust your body weight and your titty weight to bring you back in that lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't dangerous. trust them, don't do it. It's dangerous, dangerous when you put it when you yeah. put it like that. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> go ahead, user one point five. We just yeah. theorize. Yeah. Would no, you no, would I you trust saying... your Would you trust yourself using one point five? No, 1. not 5? able, not able. I can't even squat. And Girl, you would go down like a tree stretch. in the Amazon. Honey, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an earthquake, Chad. That ain't going. <laughs> Somebody nope. help her. <laughs> nope. Like my friend Chester said, help us about a fail. I would have been on no. If you think you shoes. got listen, all the fans that like to make videos, if you in TikToks, if you got it and you can do the lean, we want to see it. Like tag us in it. We want to see you do the lean and your uh and your sperries or your uh your Uggs or I don't know what you're I doing. I do not don't hurt yourself. No sperries or no Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> that is not gonna work out in your favor. I just can't Ooh. see that happening, but. God bless. Michael did that. It was it was really, I mean, it was a really big deal at the time. I just remember like people talking about it. I mean, even years later, people talk about like how did Michael do that? So we're gonna move on to the next single from the album. It was Leave Me Alone. And Leave Me Alone was actually excluded from the original vinyl and the original cassette releases. And it was only released in the U uh, I'm sorry, it was released everywhere except for the US and Canada. The music video though was uh, Michael actually pokes fun at the rumors about him. He creates amusement an amusement park around himself. And this was the only, well, not the only, well, yeah, I think it was the only Grammy that he received for this album. He received um, a Grammy for Best Music Video for Leave Me Alone, which wasn't even actually a single in the U.S. or in Canada. So we didn't hear this until later on around here. Uh, Leave Me Alone is one of my son's favorite songs from Michael Jackson. How does this song rank in your bad ranking system, users? I think it's a great 
Get Shit Off My Chest song. It's one of those Michael songs that you'll sing randomly because it's, you know it applies to your life. But yeah, it's not it's not one of my favorites. Again, this song is really poppy. This album is really poppy. So you really got to like the pop aspect of it. And I just think this one kind of sounds like a song at the fair. And it's a little annoying after a while. <laughs> just leave me alone. You know why Jaden likes this? And Jaden... Jane's gonna come on the show. He wants to come on the show. We're just trying to find the perfect episode for him that he can handle that we will be behaving on. And then we'll have him on the show. You know why he likes it? Because he's a teenager. And this is how they feel about everything and everybody. Literally. Leave me alone. Right. Tadio. And they have literally around. They literally have two problems. I'm not gonna say they have no problems in life. But most of them have very basic problems. Ew, I can't stay up late. Ew, I want some money for a PlayStation. Not, ew, the student loan service will keep texting me and calling me. Okay. All right. This Never mind. I'm talking about quick. my life. Anyway. Yeah, that, that um, it's a good song. I like Leave Me Alone. Stop it. Just stop dogging me. I don't know what it is about Michael and that word doggone or dogging, but he just would not let it go after uh the doggone girl is mine he would not let that thing go it's a good song i think this was michael's probably for him maybe one of his maybe his favorite song on the album because it really this really is the autobiographical song for him because at this point that's his life his life is absolutely insane he can't do anything without you motherfuckers bothering him whether it's the fans or the media or other celebrities or people trying to get on hanger-ons or family he can't do not one goddamn thing without somebody on his tit and that's why he built neverland he was like i need space i need a gate i need security and a ferris wheel and a few animals this this might be the song that for him made the most sense on this album this felt like him talking to us like for real y'all can y'all leave me alone now the irony is that he also fed a lot of the problems he that he had he helped create them but you know it's like user two said you know people asking like are you baptized do you pee like people would ask him do you do number two you know it's michael I will never <laughs> forgive y'all for asking Janet that. You know, I mean, never. Yeah, and leave me alone visually. I can see why it won the Grammy for Best Music Video because visually, it's first of all, it's a lot going on, right? Uh, but then you have you have these kind of claymation depictions of of all of the things that uh, people are, have been saying, right? Like you got the elephant, Michael dancing with the elephant man's bones, which was a rumor at one time that he tried to buy the elephant man's bones for whatever reason. Um, him laying in the hyperbaric chamber and them saying that that's what kept him like, you know, young and he, you know, it, it him and Elizabeth. Taylor, that was like a planet story for Michael. If of I'm course, not, like the rumor it, is that that was a planet story for Michael. Yeah. But, then but yeah, no, uh, point, point taken. Life of his own, right? Like, so he took he planted these- it and then he couldn't <laughs> unplant it. He could not pull them. He roots couldn't up. control they his just- own beast. <laughs> you know, it's like you know Frankenstein. The, the Doctor Frankenstein tough, at some point couldn't control the monster. You know, um, and that's unfortunately what happened to Michael. But Leave Me Alone is a great, great track. It is the last track on the not uh, well on 
subsequent albums. Um, so not the original vinyl and cassette releases, but anything released after its original uh, drop date. It is the last track on the album. So the last two singles uh, from the Bad album, we're going to give them the, the time and the space that we need. But the, the first one was Liberian Girl. So that was the last official single from the Bad album. And then the single that was dropped as a promotional single was Speed Demon. Liberian Girl was released on July 3rd, 1989, and it was originally written for the Victory album. Uh, it received positive reception in Liberia, of course, because a lot of the women there felt that it was empowering to them. They were like, listen, Michael is thinking about this little old country in Africa, like, for real. Um, so, and fun fact about Liberian Girl. So, it begins, the song begins with the phrase, and y'all, I'm pr- pray about it, is Nakupenda Pia, Nakutaka Pia, Mpenzue. Let me say it. Go ahead. Do a user two. And Nakupenda Pia, Nakupenda Pia, Mpenzue. Okay, I want to try it. 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 <laughs> you can't beat mine, buddy. I can't. I can't do it. I can't beat you. I've been practicing that in the shower. Okay, no wait a minute. So say it again. Say it. What is now? What wow, is it? I gotta do it again. Say it again. Do it again. Is this from our people? Do it, use it too. These words are clearly not English. These are Swahili words, and in English, they mean love you too. I want you to, my love. Shout out to all the people listening to us from Africa because we have people from Africa who come and say, We're listening to y'all. Like, please don't talk about it. Help us. Help us. Don't don't talk bad about us. We appreciate y'all. Shout out to the the Black Jackson State fam listening from Africa. Go ahead, you two. I, I took Swahili, so. I think I did right. you win? No, I really did. When did you know? I in honestly, yeah, in nerd camp. <laughs> <laughs> I should have took Spanish, but I took Swahili. You really you should have decided pro black. I was pro black. I was trying like, to do Liberian girl. I was trying to do Say something. Tell us something good in Swahili. That's why her knock a pin up is so good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Use it too. You want me to tell you something in Swahili? Yeah, say something. What'd you learn? And not mama say mama sa. Okay, I won't say that. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So the lady who is uttering this phrase at the beginning of the song, she's a South African jazz singer named Leda Mbulu. And, but here's a fun fact. Swahili is not spoken in Liberia. I did know that. And I think Quincy did not know that. But it's fine. Obviously, it worked out. It's Michael fine. None like, of them niggas knew, whatever. and that's okay. Listen, we're they're like find somebody black in Africa. Americans. We're black. We're African Americans. Okay, we're not Africans, so we're dumb on a lot of that shit. We we have had our history stolen from us, so we need y'all to help put uh, fill in the code. Uncolonize us, please. please. Yeah, right. Help us fill in the code. Listen, uncolonize I, I, Quincy and Mike. So I, we talked about this on our Twitter 
um, where I found where Liberians talked about this song and how it impacted them in such a positive way. I think if for nothing else, the song is beautiful, period. Um, But I think if for nothing else, having this small country in Africa say like we felt seen, people saying we felt seen because Michael Jackson, the biggest star in the world, talked about Liberian girls and how beautiful they are and how, you know, you know, and this is a time when black women are not celebrated. We're we're still, you know, we're being celebrated a lot more now, but in the eighties, black women, uh, African women and black women not being celebrated as beautiful and, and desirable and sensual. And that a, a man like Michael Jackson would want you and desire you. And the way he sings this song is like, I love you. I love you, girl. You know what I mean? All of this, like, that's, to me, beautiful. There's something that, who else was doing this? You name me somebody else who was doing it like this. Yeah, in a pop song, not as In much. a pop song. I think nah. Janet uh, called out African-American women in a New Agenda, but that wasn't no single. Um, but what Stevie black Wonder had doing his this. Song. Oh, Stevie, Stevie Wonder had Wonder. black men. <laughs> and no. then you had, uh, you had, um, EPMD and uh, uh, Chuck D was out, you know, doing his thug thizzle by this point as well. So, I mean, pretty much rappers at this point, but not pop stars. No, and no one on this level. Like Lionel Richie's on the one. ceiling. Okay. Yeah, and and Michael's Michael's number one in the world. So there's no that you take the number one artist and to really be saying not I'm not talking about Africa because we need to feed the children. I'm talking about Africa because it's a beautiful place and the people there are beautiful. Precious um, then. Yeah, it was first Pyramid Girl, right? And then we get to Liberian Girl. So Pyramid Girl, we're still in Africa, you know? So um, shout out to Michael Jackson for saying, you know what, let me put Africa on the map in a different way. Because normally when y'all see him, y'all talking about donating 33 cents a day and you can change a life. And I'm talking about these are beautiful people. Look at them, look at their skin, look at their culture, look at their rhythm, look at their, you know, this is black girl. I'm trying to fuck on her, even though he was not doing that in real life. (laughs) You don't know that. That man loved himself a white queen, and that's okay. okay. Everybody gets one. (laughs) Well, I will say uh, about Liberian Girl, it is one of my favorite songs um, on this album. But um, it it holds the Guinness Book of World Records um, record for the most star-studded video, music video in history. It had over three dozen superstars in it and to user two's point i don't know why michael needed to call you know 30 some people he just didn't have the budget and they would have shown up for free and they did i bet most of them people showed up for free i'm watching them right now whoopi showed up for free because they were friends steven spielberg showed up for free because they were friends um who i think there like? were a couple people who didn't want to show up but they knew they needed to they, their Michael agent called. told them they need to show up jasmine got showed up because she's a fan um All, everyone there was a fan every, no one no one got paid to show up i don't know who's got the stats on this somebody shows who got paid to actually go shoot no one got girl. paid nobody I've because it it, it made more money for you to just show up here uh blair underwood is in the video Fine um ass <laughs> say it again used to Fine ass. And mm-hmm. let me tell you something. Jasmine Guy was at her peak and no shade. She was, yeah, she was. She's she was still a beautiful bag. woman, but she I heard she was trying to slide on Mike at that point. And Mike you fumbled. Is that the gossip? He, he ain't know what fumbled. to do with that. He wouldn't know what to do with John Travolta. I see John Travolta. I see Blossom. I know why John Travolta was there. She Shut was up. trying to I see slide Blossom. On Mike. <laughs> 
Ozzy Blossom. Who's the uh, magician? Is that? Oh, I see Billy D. Williams. I mean, yeah, nobody got what paid. Magician? Everybody was here. The magician is it Copperfield? Was that Copperfield in the Probably. video? Hell if I know. Sherman Sherman Hemsley. Nobody. Sherman paid Hemsley. Here. Everybody's here. Uh, the dude from Carl Weathers from In the Heat of the Night after uh, Virgil had to go because he, he was, was on Apollo. that crack. Uh huh. He was also Apollo. Um, yeah, man. No one got paid. Danny Glover. I mean, the, the video is insane as far as stars. I be blanking on some of the white uh, people. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all help me fill in the blanks. I know. But John if Travolta you look. Was- John Travolta was in there, and mm-hmm. if you watch it long enough, we're in there as well as children. So go find the users and oh drop God. it, drop it in the comment. Okay, wait a minute. I have a question for y'all because now it's my, like a good time to talk about something that has said about Michael. And again, so I'm going to pull from the Spin magazine from a Michael biographer named Nelson George. He says that Michael Jackson is not an experimenter. He generates some songs, but he's not a creative artist like Prince. He's more Cab Calloway than he is Duke Ellington. He's also very comfortable with the sound of music and that whole Broadway Hollywood white thing. I mean, he's kind of Ben Crosby updated, except for a few songs like Billy Jane, Wanna Be Starting Something and You Push Me Away. His songwriting is not rich. How do, do you reckon? Let, let's take Liberian Girl and reconcile that statement. <laughs> do you agree with it or not? Yeah. Because again, this is a pop album. I don't think Nelson George was wrong. Michael's trying to get Billboard hits. He's trying to beat the number of hits he had the last time. Simply put. That's all he's trying to do. So you're right, Nelson. That sounds like shade, but it's true. It sounds like shade. Here's where I don't agree. He's not a creative artist like Prince. I don't agree with that at all. Okay, hold on now. I hate when we do this to them because I think they had two different brains. Right. They're different types of creatives, but they are both creative artists. I agree. And that's a, now that's a shady fair. comment. Yeah. I think that's a shady comment and not needed. I think I don't think it's fair because you can't compare Michael and Prince because Michael's not playing guitar and drums and piano and bass. He's not doing that. He's he's not writing all the songs and producing them he's not the only person in the studio michael is a production michael is broadway michael is bright lights michael is hollywood so it's two different brains both kings of what they do so of course that review is from this era so it's cool but cut that shit out don't compare them and I feel like Prince put out like two albums that year. Michael was just right. Trying to get I mean, like it, like it's like, are you serious? And then you didn't talk about like, except for a few songs, like what da 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 da. Like you missed a gang of songs from this same era. You wanted to pluck songs from that Michael wrote that are 10 for 10, you know, New Year's Eve, people putting on Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. I mean, like, right. We don't need the comparison. But then when you make the comparison, it's like, totally dismissive of the creativity of Michael Jackson, which is how many books about creativity and musicianship and artistry have been written about Michael Jackson versus Prince. And I'm not doing that to pit them. I'm just saying you can't sit here and say Michael's not a creative when literally there have been theses and master's papers and et cetera, written on both artists, really, 
based on their creativity, but certainly Michael Jackson has a catalog of books where people are examining. We talked to Steve Knopper. Go back if you haven't listened to our interview with Steve Knopper. He does a whole book where he deep dives into the creativity of Michael Jackson. So that's, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Y'all go subscribe to our Patreon. Prince and Michael, best of frenemies. It's going to be. <laughs> Why do you want to do that so bad? Diana. You keep talking about I that. Like Why that do you want to do that so bad? I think it's going to be fun. If you want to hear Michael versus Prince on Patreon, go subscribe. Yeah. Love you. Drop us, a, drop us a note. So the final single that we're going to talk about from this album was the promotional single. And that was Speed Demon. It was released on my birthday, September 4th in 1989. Um, and it was for both the album and for the film Moonwalker. And we all know the story of, according to, to Quincy, Michael wrote the song after he got a ticket for, <laughs> for speed demon in through Los Angeles, trying to get to uh, this, the studio and record his album. I will, I would like to say before I, before we wrap this up, I would like to say in 2001, there was a, a special bonus edition of Bad Release. It had uh, three interviews with Quincy Jones and three new songs or three songs that weren't on the original album, Streetwalker, Total Amores 2, and Fly Away. Mm-hmm. These albums did not make the original cut, but they make um the promotional album in 2001 well ladies what do you guys think about these three tracks streetwalk we talked about a little bit but how about the spanish version of i just can't stop loving you and fly away and i think user user one really likes fly away total me no more as two i know that's my first spanish hey Okay, Spanish speakers, let's, let, how do we do? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Miserably, I know I did that all wrong. Not the well, ra ta ra ta ra ta ra That's the rhythm, not the words. Yeah, so those were... Shout out to Michael Jackson for getting it all down. Girl, how you keep giving shout out to Michael Jackson on a Michael Jackson podcast? That's the second time you did that. Today. Cause he got to get him. He got to well, get him. Well, he got the whole damn. Podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just gonna say, fly away. I think is a bop. We talked about the Reby version yeah. mm-hmm. previously. I, I like think Reby. I like Reby's version, but I love his version. It's on my fly playlist. So when I'm on the plane, this is a great song for takeoff. If you haven't listened to it, um, I think there. I think that's a great song. I think Streetwalker is a great narrative song. Um, but I love Speed Demon. I ain't gonna count Speed Demon out. I know that Speed was the Demon last is a boppy, single, boppy. But yeah. I can't it's promise y'all I won't die with Spike tattooed on me because I think that rabbit is just so funny. Look at his face. <laughs> Spike. Spike. <laughs> but yeah, I think when those uh, three singles came out, what year did you say that was? User 1.5? In 2001. Yeah. Oh, wow. I remember getting it and, and saying, you know, these are bops. And at that time, that was probably around the the first time we really started getting the demos like officially some of this stuff was circulating on message boards for years but to actually have streetwalker and be able to play it in the car that was a big deal it, I, I love streetwalker i think it's a great song uh, you're walking like said, baby i'm telling his vocals were peak man like yeah. bad album the vocals are crazy like you hitting the, the notes he hit are insane and he was very very beautiful he just was very well sculpted 
very beautiful. It beautiful looks gorgeous. <laughs> very <Yeah>. well sculpted. <laughs> it did look gorgeous. And I didn't even mean to be shady, but you know what I mean. You know it looks I mean. gorgeous. I will say that album cover. The cover is great. And then the picture on the back, the little teeny tiny picture on the back where he had that sweater on and it's black and white. Michael, you was giving he the face card never declined. I don't care what y'all say. Yeah. Face card didn't decline. Now, y'all didn't know why he was light skinned all of a sudden. And that's fine. Okay, he didn't know either. But the face card, regardless of the alterations, did not decline. No, he was peak. He was dirty and he was peaking for real. Yeah. You got to give it to him. He, he, man, he had the sex. Shout out to Michael Jackson. (laughs) Shout out to Michael (laughs) Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, I'm going to give this shout out before we wrap this up. Shout out to Just Good Friends because that's the only song on this whole effing album that did not have a single, was not released as a single. And I don't appreciate that. I like this song. Shout out to Stevie. I, I like well, shout out to Jermaine. It. Shout out to Jermaine then. If we're just doing things now. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, thank you for just good friends. You could have kept it, but thank you. <laughs> and listen, I listen to Stevie sing about fly traps, but this one he could have kept it. He could have really kept it. Even oh. Quincy Jones was like, this did not do it. Yeah. But the video of them singing together is worth it. Like the song, not great. But the video of them singing in the studio together and Michael giggling, worth it. Well, I like this song. I am a just good, good friend enough. Stan. And y'all are not gonna talk me down off of that. So listen, one that's last like question. trying to like it's like trying to justify little Susie. Somebody okay. See, no, we're not doing this. No, no, y'all aren't gonna do this to me today. So look, 1987. We have other albums by other really big artists being released. How does Bad? This is this is my last question for you guys as we wrap up this 35th anniversary. How does Bad stand in the annals of time compared to other albums from 1987? And when I say other albums, I mean we have Sign of the Times Prince that was dropped in Ooh, 1987. That's my shit. Whitney by Whitney Houston dropped in 1987. Um, Make It Last Forever, Keith Sweat was dropped in 1987. Mm. Make uh, It Last Forever. Um, Sheila E dropped her first album, Sheila E in 1987. Um, I mean, it's a lot of uh, Marlon Jackson dropped Baby Tonight. Ah, <laughs> baby Tonight. <laughs> Go listen to our episode all about the brothers. We talk about Marlon's, episode, Marlon's uh, album. Go ahead. We, we talked about it more than Marlon's ever talked about. <laughs> <laughs> we gave him more press than ever he got. Go ahead. Uh, Spanish Fly, Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, Janet released Control, the remixes in 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, Diana yeah, Ross released uh, Red Hot Rhythm and Blues in 1987. George Michael dropped Faith in 1987. So Jody Watley Girl, dropped Jody Watley in 19... 19- Stop it. You know who did this nigga? <laughs> was on her dick the temptations was dropping albums in 1987 together again so listen how does what came off of that (laughs) (laughs) oh shit I just feel like they deserve an honorable mention because they are some they are some legends they are that they are 
I this really was before. Was this be before respectful. David Ruffin had his? Is uh, they said together again, exactly. so I don't know who all was the, again okay. together. But listen, I just was trying to be respectful <laughs> to y'all, Mister <laughs> Otis. Everybody come to see Otis. But seriously, bad <sighs> next to these albums that dropped in 1987. How does this sound? Like if you played, for instance, Whitney Houston's first album and Michael Jackson's Bad right from 1987 in a in a room full of 20 year olds or 14 year olds or 15 year olds <laughs> which one would they be like that sounds like it could have been released yesterday neither <laughs> are you kidding all the synthesizers on those albums hell no well, let me I say think, which one I would they say... be most would they gravitate to if they didn't know um, who Whitney was, they didn't know who Michael was. I think Michael and Whitney's albums, those two albums would probably be head to head. I think Sign of the Times is a little more obscure and folks aren't going to recognize those songs. But the songs on Bad still circulate literally. Like you're, you will hear them out and about, at least in America, you will, when you're just casually out living in the world. So I think those songs are just a little more popular in the... Um, in the public's memory. Um, but Whitney's first album, of course, is too. I think Whitney really took off on her second album, Baby Tonight. I'm your baby tonight. Like, I think that's... Was that her second album or that was her third? First album, we talking about the Slick Back Hair? The Jermaine album? No, no. no. no so we on her... About, Whitney is her second. the one with the white um, t-shirt on and the big hair. Okay, so that's the second one. That's yes. That yes, al- okay. This yeah. album has I want to dance with somebody. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. didn't we almost have it all so emotional? Yeah. Whitney Houston, the album entitled Whitney Houston comes out in 84 and then you get um Whitney in Got 87. Yeah. And then I'm your baby tonight comes out after. Yeah, Whitney that. Houston mm-hmm. had I think, what, how will I know on it and So this um, this was the era where both Michael and Whitney were hitting that wall of um, certain groups of black people saying, okay, that y'all going a little too white for us. And it uh-huh. was because the labels were marketing them at peak uh-huh. popularity and it worked like it did make them international superstars, but I think a little bit of the soul probably did get snatched out of that process. And that's okay for the art's sake. But I think Whitney, if she were here to say anything about those albums, I I don't think she liked that album because it traumatized her the most. It got her blackballed the most. And then she made a hard pivot into LaFace with the next album to come back with a more New Jack sound type of an album, which is exactly what Michael ended up doing too. And, you know, 1990, 1991. So they both ended up uh, following up their albums from 1987 and going hard into like a hip hop, New Jack swing type of a type of um, music, because this was like peak pop music for both of them. I think this is where their stars were just burning way too bright, way too dangerously bright, which gets. Let me tell you something. When So Emotional comes on. (laughs) <laughs> I get so every time <laughs> that's a pop every single that's a pop time. song like oh that my, is a yeah. peak pop. like that's, oh it's definitely pop but honey. that's here in the shoe store you know you're trying on a pair of kids that song is on if you're at the soda shop waiting on your kiss that song is on 
Same thing for bad. True. True. Bad or the way you make me feel. Yeah. No, I mean, a fair critique of bad. It is a very pop album. I had to explain to my son the other night. We were watching music videos. I had explained to him what pop was. I said, pop is popular music. Literally something that most people will listen to. Mm-hmm. And that is what the, listen, that is what, you know, the Temptations and uh, the the Marvelettes and and uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. That's what they were they were reaching for in the 1950s and 60s, right? And 70s, they were trying to cross over. That's what they called it, right? You get out of the black charts and you get onto the main um, the main charts. And I think that's what uh, Michael and Whitney and all these artists were doing in the late 80s as well. But any more comments, concerns? Well, I want I want to say about- something. I, I want to say Go something ahead. about that. So, I mean, Whitney, I'm watching. I want to dance with somebody right now. This is what I want us to at least give them credit for. It was hard to be a Negro trying to not alienate, like, like what they said in The Temptations, the Jacks ain't going to get behind that sure like not and these were street people like not trying to end well not she wasn't the you know we know that we know that but you know not trying to alienate your community michael but also appeal to a broader community where you can be more successful and make more money and your sound can go further that's a delicate balance that i think sometimes people take for granted today because that's not really a thing anymore people feel they can be authentic and they're not trying to compromise on it but that was not always the case and it not was it wasn't always the case because these people were weak or fearful it was just not going to work if that's what you thought you were going to do we gradually got to the place where you can be very quote-unquote authentic and I think Michael and Whitney were about trying to balance those realities of like the money is in crossing over. If I stay on the black Amen. charts, you know, mm-hmm. there's this a limitation here and I have to cross and the, and the record companies are telling you, oh, we can get you there, you know? So, but I, I think the question of who would be more noticeable or whatever today, what, what would people today, younger people, maybe in their twenties would notice I still think it's Michael Jackson. I think it's just he is such a unique phenomenon of an artist that these other artists, it's very, you know, that's why their fans get upset because they sometimes feel that they're not being recognized and Michael is being given like this oversized sort of recognition. But he just kind of was and Bad was a pop album and it was sonically just, you know, the, the sound that hit you was beautiful. And it was very orchestrated and very cultivated. And either you would get could get with that kind of. If you listen to Bad and you listen to Off the Wall, let's just take away what he looks like and the changes. You would say this is a different person, I think, anyway. Agreed. And, yeah, yeah. and I don't, I mean, and you can like or not like that, but Bad brings him into a wider audience, more white people, more international people people from all of all shades and everything and that's what michael wanted he said he didn't see color and he wanted his music to represent (laughs) all right and on that i can't say shit but wait a minute i have wait wait a minute i have one more thing and i'm gonna let y'all go because you didn't talk about a user 1.5 but i'm gonna just throw a little shade here and then because we did talk about this a little bit today before we we got out here and i want to hear y'all's thoughts on this bad represents michael's departure from his family as a this is his first solo album away from his family period what do y'all think about that and what does that does bad signal something 
about Michael's relationship professionally with his father, his brothers, etc., that this is the line of demarcation. Bad is. Is that a fact or no? No, Michael was excommunicated from the Jehovah's Witnesses because of the Thriller album and the Thriller video. I think this is his way of saying, you know what? Fuck it. I gave my life to this religion. I'm a pop star. Y'all not fucking with it. Cool. You want to say I'm bad? I'm bad. I'm actually really good because I'm about to give you Heal the World next year. Not next year, but next album. But fuck. Gave y'all men in the mirror this time around. Kiss my ass. Y'all say I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm not really bad. I'm great. That's what I think that was. But yeah, you can filter that family psychology in there too. It's all a vibe. I want to give you something else because I, I stayed on the Spin magazine. I'm I, maybe user one provide my link the notes to you. If not, just Google it. Um, and one one last quote because user two, I want to hit on what you just said. So here's the quote: Although Michael tried to present a harmonious public image of his family, it was impossible to disguise the simmering jealousies. Now his obligations fulfilled, he wanted out. And so the obligations in the paragraphs before we're talking about the victory tour, <laughs> the victory tour. Okay, so here's the quote: It was devastating, says Joyce McRae, a longtime Jackson family employee. This was the culmination of the least wonderful experience that he has ever had with his family, the Victory Tour. Michael's tremendous success had affected every member of his family. Some are jealous. There's been denial. There's been the whole gamut of human emotions. Jackie's the most bitter, the most hurt by Michael's success because he thinks he put Michael out front in the first place. He's also the oldest there's this assumption that he created Michael. So do y'all think it's the this same is like, Jackie that got run over by his wife because he was it. out here with Paula? Stop it. Same Jackie? Okay, go ahead. So y'all throw Jermaine under the bus so much. So I do you think Jermaine like, you know, uh, I think we talked about this, like how his, his fame and bad is like a, a true representation of a part of the height of his fame affects his family, his relationship professionally and personally with them. Do y'all think bad is really that, like you say, almost like that gateway into another place of how he deals with his family and how he interacts with them? I think bad. Okay. There was so much going on around bad, right? Bad. Michael after thriller was so big, right? He, was like, I don't know what, I, don't know, I guess I gotta try to try top thriller or maybe I don't try top thriller. I think at that point he knew what his family thought because they don't seem like the dudes that's gonna hold it back. At minimum, Miss Katie's gonna have heard of it and told Michael about it, right? And Michael still was living at home, right? While he was recording this, um, still living at Havenhurst. So, I mean, he saw whoever came by the house, he was there. Um, he had been done with them. I think this was just his hard line in the sand, like we good, good for real. And I think that that is evidenced by on the bad tour, having them backup singers be the rest of the Jackson five or them backup dancers, excuse me, be the rest of the Jackson five. I think that was him showing I can do this without y'all. I don't, I don't, I don't need y'all. <laughs> so um, from there, you get word to the bad from Jermaine. That clearly is a dig at Mike. He uses the the word bad, which is Michael's title. You know what I mean? So, you know, God bless him. But listen, here's 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 the nuts and bolts of it. Bad is Michael's poppiest album up to this point. And we are celebrating 35 years of bad having been released users. 
Anything else you want to say about bad before we wrap this up? Shout out to Michael Jackson. Shout out to Michael Jackson. Jackson. Bad is a and Quincy Jones. Bad is a wonderful, absolutely wonderful album. Um, and it showcases Michael's appeal across genres um, and appeal across continents. And if we can celebrate bad, go watch the Spike Lee bad documentary. Matter of fact, y'all make sure you go watch it. Go watch the videos. Go really rediscover why you love this album so much and why you love Michael Jackson so much. And yeah, man, this is bad 35, 35 years since the release bad of bad 35 list. And the whole world has to answer right now. Just to tell you once again, who's bad. Who's bad. Thank y'all for listening to another black Jackson estate podcast. We will see you next time. This episode of the Black Jackson Estate podcast is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. The users would like to extend a heartfelt thank you for your support. If you would like to sponsor an upcoming episode and become a user, you can donate via PayPal at www.paypal.me slash blackjackestate or cash app at BLK Jack Estate. You can connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at BLK Jack Estate or on our Patreon where you will have access to exclusive episodes and so much more. Today's episode was produced and edited by user 1.5 for the Black Jackson Estate podcast. <laughs>